the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. All right, it's a Monday. Good to be back in the saddle again. I will tell you what's even better about this Monday. It's nothing but sun outside right now. 77 degrees. Absolutely a perfect day. Now, I am stuck here in the studio, but I'll I'll take that because I'm talking to you. But I got to tell you what, I looked at the weather for this week. Russ, it looks fantastic. Looks like we're going to be sunny and Going to have highs in the uh, upper 80s. No rain until so Saturday night. change by the weekend, I'll be happy because I need to get my yard mowed after the torrential monsoon <laughs> we've had over the rest of the month every freaking weekend. Yeah, even before then, even during the middle of the week. The bottom line is this, is uh, it looks like it's going to be dry all week. That is a big deal. Supposed to rain Saturday night. So you should be able to cut your grass Saturday day. That should do it for you. Should I got a transmitter site that is three feet tall right now. I need to get it cut down. Send a tractor out there. Have somebody go out there and, and bush hog it for you. They they need to have one of those mud bogging tractors. <laughs> it's, it's that deep, huh? Oh, man. It, it, the beavers are having fun in this Oh, you still you still got to tear that all down, don't you? They got you got beaver lodges out there. Somebody's got to go tear it down. I'm not sure who's going to do it. <laughs> it ain't going to be me. I know that much. I ain't got enough waiters to go out there and play with snakes and beavers. Oh no, no, don't want to get into snake country. Beavers, all right. You can see them sneaking up on you. Snakes, that's a different story. <laughs> yeah, you can see it sneaking up on you, all right. Pete shot one with a bow, and it was coming after him with the arrow sticking out of it like jaws. What kind of snake was it? No, it was a beaver. Oh, a beaver. A beaver came after him. Yeah. Beavers are typically... Angry beaver. Oh, <laughs> like the cartoons? Yeah, worse than that. <laughs> I that used to be one of my favorite cartoons, The Angry Beavers. That was a funny show. All right, well, good luck out there. I now I don't know. I all these shows that I watch that if you skin them, those skins are worth about two fifty to three hundred and fifty dollars of, uh, you know. Yeah, if you can get fur. it after you've killed it. Yeah, that's true. All right, by the way, National Weather says, and this is from Elizabeth, so I don't doubt this information. The National Weather Service says the last 12 months are the wettest ever on record in the uh, lower 48 states. I believe it. It's been wet. I know it's been wet since like November of last year. Over, over uh, not Christmas, but just over the winter time, we were 12 inches over what we normally get. And I'm sure we've been over this uh, springtime. It's been raining and raining and raining. I'm tired of it. Get rid of it. I want to get back to some normal weather 
Well, they say that we're in a, a, a minor El Nino, and they're saying that we're going to stay wet or stay damp above normal uh, until about July. Then it's supposed to be turned off like a tap. No, no rain. Going to be drought city. Do we have aquifers around here that fill up? I don't know. Be nice, all of our aquifers. Big Mel is was a is one of the uh, local ones. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's definitely full. <laughs> oh, Wasn't yeah. it Blake Woodson that that went out there and stayed on one of those sandbars for a while? Did he Blake say? Did? I thought so. I thought I remember that. I don't know if it was him. It might have been another guy from Magic. I don't know. Well, I think I heard Blake say something about that at one point. Could have been him, or it could have been uh, who's the guy that's out there towards Russellville now? He lives out there. Sh- uh, Sharp Dunaway. Yeah, my, maybe it was Sharp Dunaway. It was one of those crazy dudes. They did a lot of crazy, crazy stuff back in the day, but I don't know which one of them. Anything said, huh? to make ratings. Yeah, try. Try to make ratings. Living on a a sandbar could care less. You know what I'm saying? Well, a story almost completely ignored by uh, ABC, NBC, CBS. But uh, there have been some reports about uh, Talab. Rashida Talib. Talib is a Talib. Okay. Uh. There is no justification for the twisted and disgusting comments made by Tlaib just days after the annual day of Holocaust resemblance. Oh, pardon me. Remembrance, not resemblance, remembrance. House Minority Whip Steve Scalise said more than 6 million Jews were murdered during the Holocaust. There is nothing calming about that fact. Now, if you want to know what they're talking about, We've got the audio of it. We got to Talib talking about this. We got we got that queued up. Okay, here it is. So, Congresswoman, you've created a, something of a stir by coming out in favor of a one-state solution in Israel and Palestine. Um, and I think you may be the only uh, Democrat who's publicly supported a one-state solution. So what is your vision uh, for a one-state solution that meets both uh uh, Palestinian and um, Israeli or Jewish national aspirations. Absolutely. And let me tell you, I mean, for me, just uh, a few, uh, I think two weeks ago or so, we celebrated um, or just it took a moment, I think, in our country to remember the Holocaust. And there's, you know, there's a kind of a calming feeling, I always tell folks, when I think of the Holocaust and the tragedy of the Holocaust and the fact that it was my ancestors Palestinians who lost their land and some lost their lives, their livelihood, the human dignity, um, their existence in many ways have been wiped out and some people's passport. I mean, just all of it was in the name of trying to create a safe haven for Jews post um, the Holocaust, post the tragedy and horrific um, persecution of Jews across the world at that time. And, I love the fact that it was my ancestors that provided that, right, in many ways. 
Um, but they did it in a way that took their human dignity away, right? And it was forced on them. And so when I think about uh, one state, I think about the fact that why couldn't we do it in a better way? Where, and, and I don't want people to do it in the name of Judaism, just like I don't want people to use Islam in that way. It has to be done in a way of values around equality and around the fact that you shouldn't oppress others so that you can feel free and safe. Why can't we all be free and safe together? Uh, a calming effect? The Holocaust has a calming effect? I've heard the Holocaust called a lot of things, but not calming. I've heard it called a lie. I've heard it called, you know, one of the worst things that ever happened in the history of mankind. I have never heard anybody refer to the Holocaust as a calming effect. I got to believe there are several of these freshmen Congress men and women that the Democrats are hoping to lose during the election next year because they got to run for re-election. I'll be interested to see if we see a lot of these people get primaried in 2020. Calming and not heard that claim made before. Calming. Just not heard that before. Also, you've heard about the Georgia heartbeat bill, uh, the uh, pro-life bill in Georgia. And uh, the left have been throwing out lies left and right. Do you see what what Alyssa Mon- uh, Milano wanted to do? She wants a, uh, she wants to have some kind of, uh, she wants women to stop having sex until Georgia gets rid of that bill. Not my words, hers, okay? What she wants. Uh, many in the media eating up with this, uh, these lies that are being thrown out. Uh, David French said from uh, the uh, National Review, I must confess that I did not expect to see a series of stories with lurid headlines and fundamentally mistaken premises to go viral, viral and to stay viral for days. Uh, there's several of the headlines uh, out there. I mean, uh, just give you an idea here. Let me let me bring you up to date. No, Georgia's heartbeat bill won't imprison women who have abortion. Uh, last week, the Georgia governor signed perhaps the most impressive and com- comprehensively pro-life heartbeat bill in the nation. The law set to go into effect next year, not only bans abortion when the baby has a uh, heartbeat, it declares the scientific, philosophical, and theological truth that an unborn child is a natural person under state law. The law, like other state heartbeat bills, defies controlling Supreme Court authority and expect pro-abortion activists to immediately challenge it in court. I expected activist resistance and protest against the bill. I expected radical voices to urge corporate boycotts of Georgia, but I must confess that I did not expect to see a series of stories with these lurid headlines and fundamentally mistaken premises to go viral. 
Here's just a sampling of them. In the Business Insider, women could get up to 30 years in prison for having a miscarriage under Georgia's harsh new abortion law. Slate, Georgia just criminalized abortion. Women who terminate their pregnancies would receive life in prison. Uh, The week, Georgia's heartbeat abortion bill could imprison women for life. Glamour, women who have an abortion in Georgia could be sentenced to life in prison. Now, these stories are viral in part because they rely on plausible reasoning. Since Georgia declared all unborn children to be natural persons then, according to these articles, Georgia's conventional murder statute must apply to women who self-terminate. If the woman has a miscarriage, in part through her own neglect, then Georgia's second-degree murder statute applies. If a person helps another person obtain an abortion across state lines, then they're guilty of conspiracy under Georgia statutes. But it's all fundamentally wrong. The heartbeat bill did not repeal a number of Georgia criminal statutes that explicitly apply to abortions and unborn children, and it does not overrule controlling legal authority, holding that these statutes bar prosecution of a woman for terminating her own pregnancy. Let's walk through these statutes and the key case. First, there's a specific code that applies to unlawful abortions. It's Georgia Code Section 16-12-140, which states, A, a person commits the offense of criminal abortion when in violation of Code Section 16-12-141. He or she administers any medicine, drugs, or other substance, whatever, to any woman, or when he or she uses any instrument or other means, whatever, upon any woman with intent to produce a miscarriage or abortion. B. A person convicted of the offense of criminal abortion shall be punished by imprisonment for not less than one nor more than 10 years. Code section 16-12-141 is the exact section that was amended to include the heartbeat provision. If a person performs an abortion in violation of the heartbeat bill, then code section 16-12-140 applies. It does not impose life imprisonment on anybody, and Georgia courts have held that it does not apply to a woman who self-terminates only to third parties who perform an abortion. In Hillman versus State Court of Appeals of Georgia rejected the prosecution's effort to imprison a woman who shot herself in the stomach to kill her unborn child. Interpreting Section 16-12-140, it said, quote, this statute is written in the third person, clearly indicating that at least two actors must be involved. Accordingly, it does not criminalize a pregnant woman's actions in securing an abortion regardless of the means utilized. Second, the Georgia Code section that criminalizes a feticide, such as when a man attacks a woman for the purpose of killing her unborn baby, specifically states that nothing in this code section 
shall be construed to permit the prosecution of any woman with respect to her unborn child. Taken together, these statutes mean that a woman cannot be prosecuted either for aborting her own baby or committing uh, feticide. If you're still skeptical about the argument, perhaps you'll believe a Planned Parenthood representative responding to a query from the Washington Post. The Post fact-check claims that the Georgia bill criminalized women who terminated their own pregnancies and found those claims incorrect. The news headlines and social media headlines that speculate about the bill's unintended consequences are at the very least not productive. At most, they're harmful, Planned Parenthood's Stacy Fox told the Post on Friday. HB 481 could not be used to successfully prosecute women, she argued, but if a woman had a miscarriage, she could be pulled into an investigation looking at whether someone performed an illegal abortion on her. So there you have it. Just something to keep in mind. Just like, you know, some of this other stuff that we've got out there. I mean, the the whole thing about Melissa Milano, that's just really, really crazy. Uh, She's calling on women to withhold sex in protest of the uh, new law. Jerry Bauer from the Washington Examiner stated, boy, did she misunderstand uh, Lestira, uh, Lestra Trotta, the heroine of the play, launched a sex strike to end the pointless slaughter of human life. This one, done by Milano, wants to use the sex strike to guarantee the slaughter continues. So, uh, anyway, there must have been a, another play in Greek, uh, in, in uh, the Greek history about stopping murder where Melissa Milano wants to have a sex strike to continue the murder of innocence. All right, we'll get a break in. It's 24 minutes after two. A lot of strange stuff came out in the news this weekend. Uh, Lindsey Graham talking about declassifying FISA documents and uh, hear what he has to say about the president wanting to do just that. You know, there's been a lot of question about these FISA documents and the judges that are granting them and were they done legally are they necessary and uh, graham senator graham got into that whole discussion over the weekend said that he's glad that president trump waited till after Mueller was done and brought out this whole thing about the uh, the fisa courts and uh, went on about that here's what he had to say we, we went to break a minute ago talking about the potential that the president will declassify some of these FISA-related documents. I don't know why the president hasn't done it yet. He said that he will do it. He told me that and others. Do you expect him to do it? And what will we learn from those documents? Well, I think you'll learn that the FBI was on notice that uh, Christopher Steele was not a reliable informant when it came to Trump that he was being paid for by the Democratic Party, that his work product had not been vetted, and that he was out to get Trump, and they used the dossier anyway. I think you're going to learn a lot about how the counterintelligence investigation actually opened up, that Papadopoulos wasn't working with the Russians. They put it in his head that the Russians stole Clinton emails. All this will be coming, 
uh, sooner rather than later. And I'm glad the president waited to after Mueller was done so nobody can accuse him of interfering with the Mueller investigation because it's now over. There you go. You got <laughs> Lindsey Graham, you know, he's like, yeah, he's going to declassify. When he does, we're going to find out a lot of things about why they got into all of this. All right. We'll be back with more in a moment. Going to pick up about that male power lifter against the females. That's coming up. All right, back with you. Uh, You'll remember last week I uh, talked about a story uh, that went down about a power lifter, a boy who identified as a girl, no changes at all, and went in and just broke up all the state records for uh, female powerlifting. Well, the athletic council has uh, stepped in now on this whole thing uh, to um, take those trophies away from this transgender woman. Read that guy who says he's a girl. And I have found some people who are interested in helping me get the uh, get our uh, uh, bumper sticker out, Russ. So that might happen uh, in the very near future that says, confused? Check your junk. Okay, about uh, you know people who think, the guys thinking that they're girls and girls thinking that they're guys. Uh, this transgender power lifter named Mary Gregory recently dominated the field at a powerlifting federation competition last month, smashing four world records for that weight class in the process. This had the actual women competing in the event understandably upset and protests were lodged. But after an investigation was conducted, the federation chairman posted an announcement saying that the record lifts are now being taken off the books. Our lifting Federation President Paul Bossi said the group has stripped Gregory of, he says here, of her wins. Well, it wasn't a her, it was a he, anyway, of his wins because he believes uh, she's male. Now, the he that believes she's male is Paul Bossi, the Powerlifting Federation President. I mean, this gets really confusing sometimes with the her and the he and the, you know, his and her uh, using the pronouns. It was revealed that this female lifter, this is so funny, listen to how they they try to tiptoe around this issue. It was revealed that this female lifter was actually a male in the process of becoming a transgender female, Bossy said. Our rules and the basis of separating genders for competition are based on physiological classification rather than on identification. On the basis of all information presented to the board of directors for this particular case, the conclusion made is that the correct physiological classification is male. The Federation as you can tell, is clearly trying to tiptoe its way around uh, the subject of uh, 
saying that not saying that the the guy is not a girl he's saying that he identifies as a girl uh to avoid backlash from social justice warriors and their allies in the media they took great pains to insist that gregory is a woman if he wishes to call himself a woman that he could self identify that way but the federation rules are not based on gender identity but rather biological sex. And even though Gregory was taking estrogen and testosterone blockers for 11 months, that didn't make him biologically female. You only need to look at the pictures to see that those hormone treatments didn't have much of an effect on this guy. The response from some other prominent female athletes has been encouraging. We'll give you some tweets. I got some tweets here from, uh, what is it, Uh, swimming medalist Sharon Davies and Olympic track champion Kelly Holmes. Davis says, this is a trans woman, a male body with male physiology setting a world record and winning a women's event in America in powerlifting. A woman with female biology cannot compete. It's a pointless, unfair playing field. And then Kelly Holmes said, it's a bloody joke. (laughs) Didn't cut cut right to the chase, didn't he? She did a good job. It's a bloody joke and all getting ready uh, for biological women to boycott certain events. Have a trans category if need be, but even better, have trans games. Otherwise, I'm starting to worry about the backlash and abuse that the trans community will get from spectators because it will happen. I only take you back. What year was it that the Chinese team looked like they had a a bunch of male swimmers, but it was a bunch of women, but uh, they have filled them up with so much testosterone that they, they kind of took on male attributes. You remember that? No, but I do remember the Germans. Yeah. East Germans, especially. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, If those records were allowed to stand, you might as well just not bother having a women's division in weightlifting. No actual woman will ever win again, and the same goes for virtually every other sport. On a related note, if you haven't seen a video report from the Daily Signal yet and you have any interest in this topic, I'm going to strongly suggest uh, that you take a look at it. Uh, It deals with the story of two high school transgender girls in Connecticut who have been destroying the field for the past two years. Now, I've covered this story. You've heard me read about these uh, track and field athletes. They include, uh, this includes an interview with one of the actual girls who was knocked out of the state competition and probably her chance at a scholarship, but would have made the cut were these boys not in the race? It's a big time, uh, really big time, um, eye opening. I'll send this to uh, uh, to Elizabeth and have her put it well, on and, Facebook. You know the whole LGBTQ community. Well, they're uh, some of them are uh, are all about the the T. Tell me something. 
What does how how does Martina Navratilova fit into that whole community? Oh, she's pissed. She's she's I mean she's just, she's gay. All right, and she, thank you. She and is, she fought her butt off and played against other women and won legitimately. Yeah, and she's really ticked off about this whole transgender thing. She has spoken out constantly about it. I mean, constantly about it. Pretty, pretty amazing to be honest about it. It's been really, really crazy. Uh, there are some sane voices out there, and I think here's what happens with a lot of this stuff: people hear about it, and they they hear some boy ran track and he decimated the girls at some state meet, and nobody does anything to stop it. And uh, everybody legitimize, uh, legitimizes it. And people stand back and go, well, that's just one case. It ain't going to go anywhere. Now there's countless cases of it. There's a lot of different cases. I haven't heard of any in Arkansas yet. That's not been reported to me. I don't even know what the Arkansas uh, you know, uh, Athletic Commission has ruled on this. Or if they have. I guess I'm going to have to call again. I called three or four times and never got a return call. I'll see if I can't get somebody to come on over and sit down and talk about this. Uh, I don't know. It, it, you know, they're just trying. It, Ken Yang test, texting me. He says, uh, let's see. They're trying to normalize the mental health problems they have. They suffer from gender, uh, gender diso- uh, dysphoria and they need help. Well, it's true. uh, psychologists say uh, this is a problem. It's not something that people should be embracing for people. I mean, look, if I say, if I say somebody is a he, when they identify as a she uh, in certain professions, I can get, I can get fired. Uh, But what if the person says that they're, you know, they're a gorilla and I don't happen to call them, um, you know, King Kong or something when they come to school. And that's what they want to be known as. Yeah, it, it, it's just, this is insane. It is crazy is what it is. Absolutely is. All right, break. But they stripped this uh, power uh, lifter saying, biologically, still a boy, always going to be a boy. And if you're a biological boy, you can't compete against the females. To it, you'll remember this. You'll remember that song. Do you? Yeah, that was the Mod Squad thing. Peggy Lip- uh, uh, Lipton passed away yesterday. She's just 72 years old. Cleavon Little, Ed Asner. 
But different people been in guest the show? stars that were on the show. Yeah, Stephanie Powers, you rem- <laughs> Richard you- Pryor. You remember Clarence Williams, man? Robert sir? Reed. Hey, come on, remember Cesar Link. Romero. Link, man. Clarence Williams the third. Yeah, Gene Washington. Oh yeah, that's what I said. Michael Cole, Clarence Washington the third, and Peggy Lipton. That's the three. The three. That was a groundbreaking show. Uh, when it came out, because it had not only a, a white female in it, it's a main lead, but she was shown out by herself with a black male. Didn't see that back in that day that often. It was a big deal then, real big deal. You remember what year it came out? Was it 65? 68. Was it, oh, it was the year I was born. 1968. Yeah, I'm listening to you. This is the year I was born. That's the, that's my uh, freshman year in high school. <laughs> so, yeah, she passed away. And yesterday, or I guess early this morning, uh, if you hadn't heard, uh, Doris Day passed away, 97 years old. Some of her, the three biggest movies she was in, she starred alongside Rock Hudson. The last movie she did was in 68, if I'm not mistaken. Let me go back and, and, and look. But, uh, Doris Day. I'll get you the last one here. Need to get that for you. It was Pillow Talk. She was in that. The Glass Bottom Boat. Love Me or Leave Me. Love Her Come Back. Uh, what was it? Um, with her last movie, she played Abby McClure in With Six, You Get Egg Roll. That's it, man. That's another big hit that she had. Don't Eat the Daisies. By the way, did you know, you know what her biggest song was, right? Was in the man who knew too much. Kesra Sera. That yep. was that was her biggest hit that she had. I mean, she was big bang ba, big uh, band singer uh, for years, and then uh, made her way into movies. And for over uh, thirty years, was big bank uh, on the movies. She did these. She did like very innocent. Sex comedies, let's put it that way. I mean, she was known as America's virgin, Doris Day was. And Doris Day, uh, in uh, what six you get, egg roll, Brian Keith in that movie, Barbara Hersey in that movie, Alice Ghostly in that movie. I wonder how many people remember Alan Ghostly. How about this guy? Jamie Farr was in that movie. And last but not least, George Carlin was in that movie in 1968. Jamie Farr is still running around right now. He's in a he's in one with the cool kids. He's a it's a sitcom with uh I think let's see, Martin Mull, Vicky Lawrence, and Good uh, grief. Martin Mull is still out there, huh? What is his name? I'd have to. I'll have to look it up. Okay. Yeah, Martin Mull. 
and his fabulous furniture. You remember when he used to go out, go out and do it? I I saw him, uh, Mark Mull. Speaking of Mark Mull, I went and paid big money at the time. I was in Sacramento and went and saw his uh, live show. Absolutely hilarious and. It David wa- Allen Greer. Oh, yeah. Okay. He is so old looking in this. It is not even funny. Bald and white beard. And, oh. I mean, just you, so you what don't does recognize Mark, what does David Martin Allen Greer. What's Martin and Leslie Mull? Jordan, the, the, the shortest gay man in comedy history. Okay, can I give you, can I get you to get one more song up and we'll go out to the news with it? Martin Mall had a huge hit with this. I don't know if you remember ever hearing it. Dueling tubas. Have you ever heard that? Oh, my God. Mall was such a comic genius. I mean, Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman, and all that that he did. Uh, and this was a piece of music he, he did. Now, what was so unique about his, his uh, live show back in the day is that the stage looked like his living room at his house. And that's why it was called Martin Mull and his fabulous furniture. Uh, do you have Do you have it? Go ahead and play it. live when I saw him. Okay, that's all right. You recognize the song, I take it, right? Oh, yeah, it's Dueling Banjos. Yeah, it's Dueling Banjos. Played on tubas. On tubas, yes. (laughs) Now, wait, they're getting ready to kick it in here. Such a thing, playing tubas. He's still around. All right, he, don't don't take this that he's dead. He's not dead. He's still out there creating stuff. Funny, funny man. No, very funny. If you ever get to see him live, go see him live because he's very, very different in his comedy. But you'll find it very, very funny. All right. When we come back uh, in the next hour, Robert Steinbach's going to be with him, uh, with us, and. Uh, What's her name? Harris just makes a fool of herself over the weekend. She talks about the uh, the great idea of having a federal gun license. Uh, she likes the uh, idea of Medicare for all and supports Bernie Sanders' bill. She's proposing middle class families making less than a hundred thousand dollars a year be given a six thousand dollar tax credit. Uh, If she were president, she'd act 
on gun violence if the Congress wouldn't. And here's the key. If you know anything about what different branches of government does, the Congress makes law. The president doesn't. So you don't, uh, if you're the if you're the president, you're not supposed to be trying to make law. You can go in and change, you know, um, presidential executive orders if you want to, but uh, you cannot pass law. That's why when, you know, Obama got out of office, President uh, uh, Trump went in and changed uh, the executive orders that uh, Obama had passed. Didn't check, didn't change law changed the executive orders. In fact, when he brought up that he wanted to change, make law or something, uh, the Republicans were the ones that informed him you cannot make law. Be nice if the Democrats would tell Harris the same thing. All right, uh, 258, that means we got about uh, about 90 seconds. Make it, make it now 60 seconds to the news. Let's get to that. And then we'll be back with Robert Steinbach, and we'll talk about this Harris. She's nuts. I'm just telling you, she's crazy. And she'll show it up big time when the debates start up. All right. We're into the uh, second hour of the show, 3 o'clock in the afternoon, Dave Ellswick show. We finished up that last hour a little silly. Uh, Of course, we wanted to remember Doris Day passing away today, 97 years old, but also passing away on Sunday at only 72, which now is considered relatively it's young. It's young. young. People you know, shouldn't Peggy be dying Lip- yeah, at 72. Passed away from uh, the Mod Squad yeah. back in the late 60s. What did she die from? I don't know. Yeah, I, mean, I didn't see any announcement right, about her right. cause of death. Uh, Doris Day, they said, was in great shape for a person 97 years old, but uh, came down with pneumonia yeah. here just the last couple of weeks in it it, it uh, did her in. Yeah. Did you hear me playing uh, dueling tubas? I didn't hear it. You no. didn't hear that, no. Martin Mall. Russ should know better than to mention names like Martin Mall to me because I saw Martin Mall when he was would, was traveling, a traveling comedian before he hit big with Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman, and all of that. Mm-hmm. And uh, he had a show that he did called uh, Martin Mall and His Fabulous Furniture. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was one of the songs that he would do uh, when he was on stage. He did, you know, dueling banjos with tuba. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which, He's a lot of fun. It was funny. He was. He just took things that you would never expect yeah. anybody to do something with and, and make it totally inanity and, and That's silliness. Right. That's right. And he was fun. But, and Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman making fun of soap operas was really good. Right. It was an excellent excellent uh, writer too wrote a lot of a lot of stuff and and what and if you watch comedy during the the 70s and uh you remember uh what was the movie that had chevy chase and martin short uh the, the three uh three amigos uh, three amigos mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i mean you can see martin mall all over that mm-hmm, mm-hmm. there's no no doubt about it just uh, the silliness that was there love martin mall mm-hmm. still around not talking about him because he's dying. Or right, right. Someone challenged me, just didn't challenge, I won't say that. It's a friend of mine, and he wrote, and he thought that Kesara from The Man Who Knew Too Much with Jimmy Stewart, an Alfred Hitchcock movie, 
had Grace Kelly in it, and it's Doris Day. Mm-hmm. That that's, I'm just saying, it's easy enough to um, mistake her for Grace because Doris Day was a looker. Mm-hmm. She really was. Mm-hmm. She's a very beautiful woman. Mm-hmm. No, I I like the one that uh, she was in the movie with Rock Hudson, and and Hudson uh, played like a was it like a sports writer or something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. I remember him I don't know, doing that. I don't know he was shooting a shotgun. Yeah. He shot an elephant gun, and he was knocked him back into a into a uh, canoe and shot him across the floor of the sports mm-hmm. the sports uh, section of a big, uh, you know, not a Walmart, probably a, a J.C. Penny or something like that, kind of more high class kind of place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, enough said. How long did Rock Hudson have everybody fooled? Sure. I mean, well, he yeah, was he was yeah. every woman's dream That's man. Right. That's right. Well, and and to some extent, uh, there were two uh, intervening or not intervening uh, uh, overlapping factors. And one was you could not be openly gay back then. No, no. Uh, and the other one was if you are a uh, heartthrob, female heartthrob. Well, you don't want to dilute that brand, so to speak. Yes. Right. So. Yeah. Well, she she was, as I said. America's favorite virgin, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and as she said, in of course her, she was. Her right, book right. was everybody's got this idea that I miss, uh, you know, do goody two shoes, and right. that is far from the truth. Mm-hmm, she mm-hmm. was married three times. Is that right? Yeah, Dorsey was. Mm-hmm. She had one child, just about destroyed her when her son died, mm-hmm. and uh, she did not handle that well at mm-hmm. all. Said it was he was her her closest friend. And uh, interesting, interesting. It just shows what that's when Hollywood controlled movie stars' careers. Oh, they, well, they had contracts, right? They were under contract for like five movies. You, yeah, you didn't. There was no like it is today, which is essentially freelance. Yeah, everybody's up for a movie. Mm-hmm. Everybody's out there trying to get a, get a part. Not not the way it is, although. You can get into something like that. I mean, look at the, the Marvel movies with the Avengers. All of those people that were in those Avengers movie playing like Thor, playing right. Iron Man, Captain America, they were under uh, several, a contract of, I think, 10 movies, if I'm not mistaken, uh, for most of them to right. play in those movies all the time. What do you think, uh, let me uh, get back to this story, I, I touched on it a little bit in the last uh, hour, and uh, I, I talked about this, important to talk about it, uh, the kid that won all of the um, national titles for uh, Powerlifting. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, they, They've stripped him of all of them now. Right, right. Well, we're talking. We've talked about this many times, Dave. Actually, in all honesty, I think you and your show has been on the cutting edge. You're not alone on this topic, but on the cutting edge of talking about this issue of transgender athletes, and it's a real issue. And that is, and I say, it, if not every, virtually every, but maybe every time on your show, we need to respect all people. Whatever decisions they make, whatever lifestyles they live, um, we need to treat people with dignity. But treating people with dignity doesn't mean that, that you treat other people undignified. Well, th- th- that's right. That's that's the first point. And and also that 
if I may borrow a term from the leftists, we need to deny science. A bunch of science deniers is what the leftists are when it comes to. Yeah, say you don't believe in in right. uh, climate change, you're calling you right. a flat earther. Right, they're a flat earther. Well, you know what? You're a flat earther if you want to tell me that someone born a male, no doubt about it, and we'll get and I, I mentioned that because we'll get to that doubt issue uh, later. No doubt about it, born a male decides at some point, and I know decides may be a loaded term, but but choose whatever verb you want, uh, becomes a woman, starts taking uh, hormones, uh, dresses as a woman, uh, and may or may not have certain uh, surgery to uh, conform um, to uh, the appearance of a woman. And then that person enters weightlifting contests mm-hmm. or wrestling contests. Well, and this is where the flat earthers come in. Well, that's a that's a woman. Well, that's mm, no. Well, not it's a person who identifies right? as a woman. There you go. Biologically, right? they are not a woman. That's right. Uh, the, the chromosomes demonstrate it. The testosterone level, which may be reduced, but it takes a lot to reduce a male's testosterone level to a female's. There's no overlap, meaning it's not me- women are say zero to six and men are four to eight. No, it's like women are essentially zero to two. I don't know what the far end is, but it's a low number. And then men are like, you know, five or six to 12. There are drastic differences in testosterone levels. Well, because there are drastic differences in biology between men and women. Right. I'm wondering if Twitter will take away Kelly Holmes's Twitter account. Plenty. Look, she's an Olympian. Right. All right. She's a, a gold medalist. Uh, and she said this about the whole uh, transgender thing. It's a bloody joke in all getting ready for biological women to boycott certain events. Have a trans category if need be, but even better, how about some just trans games? That's fine. Otherwise, that's fine, right? I'm starting to worry about the backlash and abuse that the trans community will get from spectators and she says, mark my words, it will happen. Not exactly. That's exactly right. I agree. That's I exactly agree with right. what she's saying. Well, this is, this is the thing. It was, we are separating out two related issues. One is respect we have for all individuals, trans, whatever, okay. But that doesn't mean I'm supposed to become a flat earther. That doesn't mean I'm supposed to all of a sudden believe that um, someone who's biologically a male should be competing in a female competition. Dave, we talked many times uh, during the civil rights movement. Movement, um, We aptly did away, of course, with bathrooms separate for blacks and whites, right? Yeah, drinking fountains the whole fountains, nine yards. et cetera. We didn't, we didn't do away with male and female bathrooms. No, we did not. Okay, and so it's to this day. <laughs> now, that, uh, the, the Obama administration may have wanted to essentially do that, uh, make they unis- tried. They tried. They absolutely tried. And that's, by the way, on a broader point, one of the reasons Trump won was because we don't hire the president to tell us what to do. We hire the president to do what we tell him to do. And Trump won because everybody aptly saw Hillary as the third term for Obama. Mm-hmm. And certainly... By the end of his term, well through his second term, Obama was telling us what we should be thinking. No, thank you. I don't need you to tell me what to think. You and your hack 
cronies, leftists, uh, flat earthers when it comes to biological science. I don't need it. No, thank you. I can think for myself. And let me tell you, every time I get around a bunch of leftists, that's when I start knowing, knowing I don't want government making any decisions for me. Thank you very much. I can make my own darn decisions. All right. So what do you think about this new bumper sticker I'm going to get? Uh, What's up? Get out. But not a new one. I've got some businesses that will back me. Mm-hmm. says, confused? Check your junk. <laughs> well, it's it's entertaining. But I do want to emphasize. It, it will right. get people talking about right. it. Exactly. exactly. That's what I want to happen. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, and the... As the left has always done, we've talked about it on your show every week, Dave. If you don't buy the dogma of the left, you know what you're? You're they'll racist. Try, yeah, and they'll try to shut you oh, down. You're racist. You're homophobe. You're evil. They, they shut. They want to shut down freedom of thought. They they want to shut down freedom of speech. Do you see what happened in Harvard? Harvard has a dean. Um, I think it's like a house dean. I'm not exactly sure what, what that is. Uh, yeah, neither right? am I. Right. Does he work but, for the fraternities or no, it's not for, But I think it's something with like the living environments, right? And so they have this professor who's also a um, some sort of administrator. Uh, in any event, this dean is a... Do we got to take Ru- a break? Ru- no, Ru- it's kind of like, uh, the, the best I can figure is it's like the house mother at the dorm. That's what I think it is, right. <laughs> I, no, I think, Russ, you're right on the money on that. I think you're right on the money on that. Although these okay. days, not house mother, it's house person. <laughs> oh, okay, Russ? Of course. I mean, okay, Russ? Please. Yeah, some of them are guys. Exactly. And this guy's a guy, and he's a law professor. Yeah. And he has the temerity, the audacity to represent Harvey Weinstein. Oh, Weinstein, wow. Weinstein, I don't know what it is. Um, and so they forced him out of the position. And what's the, what's, there's a climate change. I love how the leftists, they can't get away from the phrase climate change. Yeah, Every time right. you turn around, it's climate. He, climate change is one of these terms, like we see in academia, whole file review, right? Uh, it's one of these terms where we say, we're going to use something we shouldn't, shouldn't use or do something we shouldn't do. And we're going to make it cloudy enough that you can't complain. So they can't say. We fired you because you are representing somebody. That's freedom of thought, freedom of representation, freedom of speech. It's against the law. Right. The First Amendment has a right to petition government. One could easily argue that within that, it's a right to represent someone petitioning government. So there's all sorts of problems with saying we're firing you for representing Harvey uh, Weinstein. So what do they do? Well... There was climate change where you were. Climate change. Like, was it raining inside the dorms? <laughs> what the heck does that even mean? And let me tell you what it means. It means we don't like what you're doing, and we got to come up with a, a, a bunch of leftist mumbo-jumbo shinola because we don't know how else to package this big bag of you-know-what, and we're going to get rid of them. And the real irony is it's another example of the leftists eating their own young. This guy's a lefty. This guy, by the way, is an African-American. And so what do we learn from that? We learn that Me Too trumps race. Yeah. You know? It's a hierarchy of the left. Me Too movement trumps race. 
I'm no fan of Harvey Weinstein. And there's an overwhelming body of evidence uh, against this guy. And, and the, he's a scumbag. Right. Yeah. Exactly. But he's entitled to representation That's the same exactly way. Right. The same way John Adams represented British soldiers. That's right. Right. At the Boston Massacre. Right. Exactly. And so, got them off. And got them off because they weren't guilty. That's right. They weren't guilty. Now, I have my strong suspicions contrary regarding Harvey Weinstein, but let me tell you, my suspicions don't matter. The guy's entitled to representation. Yeah. Moreover, the guy that's representing him is entitled from a so-called academic institution not to be shown the door for doing his job. Not according to the lefties. No, sir. Mm, we had climate change. Yeah, the clouds are coming in, and they're not looking good for you. <laughs> we had some climate change, like the, like, like the clouds that came in over Westeros yesterday. No. Mm-hmm. That was a pretty good episode. Oh, man. That was a good oh, episode. Man. It brings up a lot of questions, but I won't get into them because I could spend the rest of the hour chasing exactly. things. Exactly. All right. Robert Steinbach is here, and during the break, he and I will talk about Game mm-hmm. of Thrones. Sonny's Auto Salvage, your number one choice for recycled auto parts. I've told you about RD's business uh, for many years now, and I've been using it uh, for many, many months and saving myself mucho dinero. Can I say that now, or is somebody going to say I'm making fun of Spanish? Or, <laughs> oh, what if, or well, no, you've, uh, you've culturally appropriated, Dave. Okay. Dave, you're not, don't, don't go out for Mexican food because you're a cultural appropriator. Yeah, because I like it. Tex well, I Mex, it. I love Tex Mex. I love, no, you can't say Tex Mex. That's that's more cultural yeah. appropriation. <laughs> you can't say that, Dave. Okay. I like Tex Mex, which is a type of food. Mexicans is, is a different, you know, related, obviously, yeah. type of food. Love that. I can't well, say. Tex Mex is Mexican food that when they moved modified. to Texas, they modified. Right, it. exactly. And exactly. A lot so more we, beef. we took yeah. away their culture. We, we appropriated it, <laughs> we stole it. Anyway, all cars and trucks. End up one of two ways. You either drive the wheels off or uh, you get in a wreck and it's a total lost vehicle. But just because the body's been crunched up and uh, maybe the uh, the frame's been put out of, out of shape does not mean that uh, the motor and the transmission and the uh, differential and some of the other things cannot be used over again and give you some um, many, many miles of use. So that's why I use uh, total loss vehicles motors in my cars and total loss transmissions in my cars. And I have saved in the last two years approximately $7,000 instead of putting in uh, regular engines and stuff. Every part's guaranteed. Everyone comes with a standard warranty, one, two, or three. And uh, they'll even put it in for you. They'll even back up the... the uh, the, the labor for you. That's Sunny's Auto Salvage. Check them out. 982-7451. 982-7451. All right. Back with you. Dave Ellswick Show. Glad to have you along with us. Interesting uh, start to our conversations today uh, with uh, Robert Steinbach. Let, let's uh, go over a few things here. I got some, some sound I want to play for. Sure. You ready? Yes, sir. How, how does Harris pronounce her first name now? Kamala. Kamala. Yeah. Is that it? Okay. Kamala. Yeah. Ka- I say Kamala, and somehow right. that's wrong, but Kamala. Right, right. right. All right. She, uh, these are going to be cuts eight 
9, 10, and 11. I'll give you four reasons why you shouldn't consider her for president. Let's start off with cut number eight. We saw another deadly school shooting uh, this week in Colorado. Mm -hmm. Uh, Cory Booker has called for creating federal gun licenses, which would require Mm -hmm. fingerprints, an interview, and a Mm -hmm. gun safety course. Opponents of this say it would uh, essentially create a way for the government to, to track gun owners. Would you support a federal gun license? I like the idea, but you know, Jake, I'm going to tell you on this issue of the need for gun safety laws, um, we're not at any loss for good ideas. People have been having good ideas for decades on this issue. What we're at a loss is for people in Congress to have the courage to do something. Okay, I'm going to jump and, and, on you know, in I'm here. We're going to pick this subject. up in the next half hour. I've been told that this would have run over into the news, and I don't want to cut it off there. So I'll cut, and we're going to come back, and we'll play it from the uh, from the beginning as soon as we get back from the news. But you could hear winding up here. Oh, there's been plenty of great ideas, and a lot of them have been put into law. Mm-hmm. All right, that's something important to understand. Just not every one of them has put, put into law, because a lot of them would supersede other laws that were good laws anyway so we're going to hear from her talking about if she's president all right back with you robert steinbach is here okay now let me get back on get myself the time going right okay first of all robert is a legal professor at the bowen school of law all of his opinions are his and his alone not necessarily those of the bowen school of law or U-A-L-R. Okay, you get that. Secondly, I've got these four cuts from Harris, and I want to get through all of them because it's four things that she's talking about that will convince you or should convince you that you would never vote for this woman for president. Now, she's only in like 3% right now. So it's not like she's really burning up the, the primary. That could change. We've seen it happen. So I want to keep on bringing these pieces to you so that you'll have them firmly inside your head while you watch these people run for office. So she started off talking about gun violence. And here's what she had to say. We saw another deadly school shooting uh, this week yeah. in Colorado. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cory Booker has called for creating federal gun licenses, which would require mm-hmm. fingerprints, an interview, and mm-hmm. a gun safety course. Opponents of this say it would uh, essentially create a way for the government to, to track gun owners. Would you support a federal gun license? I like the idea. But, you know, Jake, I'm going to tell you on this issue of the need for gun safety laws, Um, We're not at any loss for good ideas. People have been having good ideas for decades on this issue. What we're Mm, at a loss is for people in Congress to have the courage to do something. We And, and, you know, I'm going to tell you on this subject, we're not waiting for the the worst tragedy because we've seen the worst of tragedies, including what just happened this week, and, 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 and seeing the heroism of a child who we now mourn his loss, his parents' only child. We're not waiting for tragedies, and we are not waiting for good ideas. Universal background checks, check, really good idea. You might want to know if someone has been proven to be a danger to themselves or others before they can buy a lethal weapon. 
what we're waiting for is Congress to have the courage to act. And so let me tell you what I'm proposing. I'm proposing, one, that if by my 100th day in office when elected President of the United States, mm -hmm. the United States Congress fails to put a, a bill on my desk to sign with all of the good ideas or any of the good ideas, then I am prepared to take executive action because that's what's needed. Okay, now, first of all, what major law is she breaking? What law? Yeah, separation of power. Oh, well, look, it's... Because she doesn't understand the difference between putting to bed another president's executive order and passing a law. Of course, and, and, and moreover, you saw this with Obama, right? Obama said, well, there are certain things I can't do because it's legislative. And then later on, he said, well, I can't get it done through the Congress, so I'm going to do an executive order. You've already conceded that you can't do it through a cons uh, an executive order in, in that context. So it's really problematic, really problematic. Okay, so that's number one. She doesn't even know the constitutional power of the executive. And that's that right. would worry me, okay? Two, she wants to take other people's money and give it to other people. Now, other people have been doing this for a long time. Sure, sure. But she's wanting to, if you if you make under a hundred thousand dollars, she wants to buy your vote. And here's what she says that she'll do. President Trump, on the campaign trail in 2015-16, and as president says, trade deals in this country by Democratic presidents and by Republican presidents have been too tilted towards helping corporations and helping Wall Street, and too tilted against the middle class and the manufacturing sector. Do you disagree with that premise? I believe that there is no question that over many decades the rules have been written in a way that have been to the exclusion of lifting up the middle class and working people in America and working families in America. And in fact that's why I am proposing that one of the things that we do to address that is that we reform the tax code in a way that will give middle class working families uh, that are making less than $100,000 a year a $6,000 tax credit that they can receive it up to $500 a month. There you go. What do you think there, Robert? <laughs> Look, the left is trying to out-left it itself. It is. Well, she called. She said she's going to be a leftist president. Exactly. She's not going to be president is a thing. She has no chance of winning the primary uh, or thereafter the general yeah. should she win. But she, she, she can't win the primary primary and notwithstanding her claim to the contrary she's um possibly running for vice president but she has no chance of uh, getting the nomination so many of these guys beto o'rourke has no chance of winning the nomination you see him by the way he, he he's whenever he's talking he's holding that microphone like he's doing a rap song or something and he's gesticulating with that other arm like he's uh, having a seizure uh i told you previously he reminds me of uh, that character in the movie alien uh, who who where the alien comes out of his stomach, but just before it, he goes into convulsions. And when you watch Beto O'Rourke talk, he, he he's convulsive in his behavior. And then there's no substance to what he says. So he's got no chance to, to win. Um, um, Cory Booker has uh, no chance to win, albeit slightly more than the other two that I mentioned. So while they're at effectively zero, he's at, say, 2% chance uh, to win, which is 
in the end, no chance to win. Uh, so, the, the, so many, uh, Swalwell, I think I'm pronouncing that correct, yeah. correctly, from California, he's got no chance uh, to win. He may be the most dim-witted of all of the candidates <laughs> in the race. And that's, you know, that's a hard call to make you know it's sort of like asking me who's my favorite fascist well you, you realize tough, right? in less than a month yeah we're, we're gonna see him up on stage together oh i i look forward to it you know it reminds me of when you see the clowns coming out of the car at the, at the uh, circus at the circus right they just keep coming and coming <laughs> and coming and coming so uh that's what we're going to see with these dems on the stage um uh, the of course, we know Joe Biden is now leading the pack, but he'll and I don't know if that will persist, uh, but he'll I'm doubting it. Yeah, I, I, there's a good argument. It's a for primary. That. Right. But he will be competitive at least uh, for some time. Uh, I think Bernie, uh, here's what I'm going to do, uh, is going to be um, uh, competitive uh, uh, for some time. Um, trying to think who else. You know, it's so funny. There's so many candidates that they all blur together yeah, into they do. a sea of mediocrity. Um, so, uh, but I, I don't know who else is. Oh, uh, uh, Elizabeth Warren has no chance of winning whatsoever. Klobuchar? You know, I personally like Klobuchar. I don't like her politics, but she seems more mainstream than the other leftists. Uh, I don't think she has a chance to win. Uh, that's a slightly tougher call for me to make, but I think in the end I, she doesn't have a chance to win either. So it's really it's really hard to. Uh, I've got to give you a few more that have a chance to win. I mean, let me give you yeah. let me give you two more points why Harris yeah. is crazy. All right, because uh, she is she's nuts. Uh, no question. She supports. Medicare for all. You said on stage with me in January that when it comes to private insurance, quote, let's eliminate all of that. Let's move on. Yes. Now, you later said we don't need to get rid of all private insurance. So. But let's clear what, that. What, 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 what is, okay, is it exactly? We were, well, we were together. Yes. And you'll remember and roll the tape, please. Yeah, we can roll the tape. <laughs> that, well, you support uh, the Bernie Sanders bill, which essentially gets I rid of insurance. I support Medicare for all, but I really do need to clear up what yes. happened on that stage. Okay. It was in the context of saying, let's get rid of all the bureaucracy. Let's get all of the waste. Oh, not the insurance companies. No, that's not what I meant. I know it was interpreted that way. If you watch the tape, I think you'll see that there are obviously many interpretations of what I said. What I meant is let's Get rid of the bureaucracy. As it relates but the bill to Medicare, gets rid of insurance. But, but no, no, no. It does not get rid of insurance. It does not get rid of insurance. And 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 listen. And let me just tell you where I am. Let's okay. tell you where I am. All right. I support Medicare for all. It is my preferred um, as a policy. principle. You mean not Bernie Sanders' bill? I support the bill. Okay. I support the bill. Because well, the bill gets rid of private insurance for everything. That it doesn't is, get rid for, of supplemental for, insurance. Right, but, for cosmetic surgery, but for all... So it doesn't get rid of all insurance. Okay, it doesn't get rid okay. of all insurance, right. but for all essential health care benefits. But, you, but why? Ask the question why. The question, if, the answer to that question, is because Medicare for all and the vision of what it will be includes an expansion of coverage. So Medicare for all will include vision. It'll include dental. It'll include hearing aids. There are a lot of members of unions, for example, who like their private insurance right. and the plans that have been negotiated right. on their behalf and right. don't want that replaced. Well, listen, let me just tell you something. I completely agree with those, those members of organized labor who have negotiated 
for plans and have in, in those negotiation processes, um, processes often given up what could have been higher wages in exchange for a higher coverage for health care. Right. And we, gotta, we have to address that. It's a legitimate concern which must be addressed. Huh? Boy, she she ran around the block on that one, didn't Man, she? And then came back <laughs> it, it, on a one-way street in the wrong direction. Yeah, it was crazy. When you get up to the uh, fact that all these uh, other organizations have negotiated all this stuff for their insurance, I was fully expecting to hear an Obama kind of thing. Well, if you like your plan, you can keep your plan. <laughs> exactly. exactly right. Yeah. Okay, she had one more thing that she had to say. And we go back to guns. If you're a Second Amendment person, you're never going to vote for Harris. Uh, Cory Booker has called for creating federal gun licenses, which would require fingerprints, an interview, and a gun safety course. Opponents of this say it would uh, essentially create a way for the government to, to track gun owners. Would you support a federal gun license? I like the idea, but you know, Jake, I'm going to tell you on this issue of the need for gun safety laws, um, we're not at any loss for good ideas. All right. We don't need People to hear any more. We heard the rest of that. Decades on this. All right. Yeah, I'll just tell you, Jake, uh, you know, we're not at a loss with ideas, and I like this whole thing about uh, federal gun licenses. And here's the thing when you talk to these lefties about gun rights, what's so remarkable is hey, what do you think about it? Sure. <laughs> wait, wait where's the analysis doesn't matter but but that you know that impacts the second amendment right yeah that's that's what i want this is what these people are saying and thinking right uh, the more you can restrict second amendment rights the more the leftists like it and here's what's remarkable about it it's the second amendment to the u.s constitution so they like to pick and choose amongst their constitutional rights. They're all about, well, you know, that's, uh, we've got to allow felons in jail to vote because that's a constitutional right. Put aside that that's not exactly an accurate statement. There's some sort of broad brush truth to it, but it's not an entirely accurate statement. But that's a constitutional right that apparently survives jail. The Second Amendment, according to leftists, doesn't survive a big wind Right? It doesn't survive too much sun. If it's a constitutional right, can the felons carry guns in jail? Mm -hmm. We're not even talking about that. They don't want ordinary citizens to be able to carry guns. They don't believe in gun carrying. No, no, no. Gun rights, according to people like Swalwell, are, well, well, you can put your AR in a closet in a, uh, in a hunting lodge, and you can access it every other Tuesday and months that don't end in the letter R, right? I mean, it's really ridiculous. Yeah, you can't uh, access it any day of the week that, does, that ends in Y. Exactly. Exactly. Other than that, you can have <laughs> it. it you can have it any day, Dave. So right. what's your complaint? All right. We got to get a final break in Let's for this it. hour. Yeah. When you uh, claim your Social Security benefits, you uh, you could trigger an avalanche of taxes, double your Medicare premiums, forfeit thousands of dollars in spousal benefits. Ultimately, your benefits could wind up being a fraction of what they were supposed to be. Learn how you could avoid this at an educational workshop, Maximizing Social Security, with David Lucas on Tuesday uh, or on uh, Friday this week at 6 p.m. 
David's the host, of course, the David Lucas Show right here on 101.1 FM. The answer on Saturdays, 10 and 3. Tickets are just $20. They come with a money-back guarantee. To register, call 501-653-6690. You'll learn the little-known strategy that could help you get more out of your benefits. That's the Social Security Administration uh, could never tell you about. Again, the number... 501-653-6690, 501-653-6690. The Applied Research Center enrolling in some new studies, uh, diabetes, type 2 diabetes, on metformin only, age uh, on that is ages 18 and older. For acne, ages 12 to 40 years old on the face, moderate to severe acne. Neck and back pain, if you're between the ages of 18 and 65, you must have had sudden onset of back pain due to muscle spasms. They have a, a study going on about that. Low testosterone, ages 45 to 80. They have a study on that. If you'll call the Applied Research Center of Arkansas for further details, they can give you all of that and uh, tell you about maybe some other studies they they have going as well. The phone number to call, 501-954-7822. That's 501-954-7822 for Applied Research Center. Excuse me. Uh, I just wanted to go through those four cuts by Harris because I'm going to tell you what, I could go through those exact, exact same questions with most of the other Democrat candidates and get the exact same answer. Dave, they're all in lockstep at this point. This is a thing. They, they try to out-left each other, and they keep coming up upon the brick wall of leftism. There's no more to go. They, they're falling off the cliff. These flat earthers are falling off the earth and how far left they're going, right? Uh, abortion on demand up until and perhaps slightly after giving birth. That's leftist position that's a leftist position uh the the transgender um participation of biological males in female sports and presence in girls bathrooms in showers that's a leftist ideal they all subscribe to it the the more restrictions and elimination of restrictions on and elimination of guns rights gun rights both state and federal that's a leftist ideal you must pay homage you must bow down to the king that is you must pray to the god that is leftist ideals if you want to win the democratic primary that's the problem here. They are tripping over over each other with their mindless leftism. Here's my question, though, Robert. Do they not understand that even in the Democrat Party, you got to go a long way left to adhere to some of the things that you, they say you must believe in? And if you say that you believe in them, you may turn off a whole bunch of people that— in the past would have been called left, but now they're going to be just called, you know, moderate. I'm not, yeah, moderate. Yeah, they're not, right. they're not just nuts. Right. And that's exactly right. And this is the challenge. Think about it this way. If you run in the democratic primary, 
you're, you're, you're only being elected by Democrats. So the, that pool of people are left of center to begin with. So if you want to get the bulk of them, you've got to go far left because you want the middle and the far left uh, or maybe the middle and the partial right. But the middle, when compared to the rest of society, is pretty far left already. So they've got to go pretty far left to win the primary. The problem is the country is right of center. And that's why Republicans have an advantage in the general election. Because even though in their primaries, they, the same thing happens. The candidates have to go to the right to get the bulk of the Republican electorate in the primary. But the country itself is somewhat to the right. So the difference, uh, the differential between where you have to be to win a primary and where you have to be to win a general election is far greater on the left. And that's their difficulty. We all remember that awful answer that Hillary gave during, I think, the last debate when yep. asked about abortion. Yeah, and she said, well, the last woman's, one. Right? A woman's right to choose to kill her baby at uh, eight months, 29 days. And, that, and Donald Trump quite aptly, quite simply, quite forcefully said, that's what you get if you vote for the Democrats. There's no nuance there. Remember, the De- Democrats are the ones that always claim to be nuanced. There's no nuance there. Till that baby crawls away from the mother's house, according to the leftists, that's just a vestige. That's just a, another organ at best in the body. Of course, it's not accurate, right? Well, we were listening to, uh, what's the guy's name on that's late? In Chicago, that uh, he is here on the show comes up there. Joe Walsh, yeah, Joe Walsh had a caller basically tell him, "Well, while the woman is carrying the child, it's not human." Oh, there was a there was this uh, politician from New York on one of the shows recently, and it's been making all the rounds on Twitter, etc. I forget her name. I think I think it's Molinari. Uh, who's a, it's kind of a well-known political name in New York because her father was also, I believe, uh, some elected official years ago, if if that's she. Uh, in any event, she was on one – I think Jake what, – what's Jake's last name? On the, Jake Tapper. No and, and she was saying, oh, yeah, if it's inside the mother, that's it, – it's like a cancer. It's like an organ. What? What? I mean, it's wow. just bonkers, I got to right? look that up. Oh, it's, I'll find it's, it. Yeah, just look on whatever social media you're on. You, you'll find it. It's remarkable. There's there's no nuance there whatsoever. The notion. Eight, eight months, 29 days. Nope, there's no there's nothing there. It's a, it's a big meal. It ain't, he, it ain't, it ain't human. Exactly. All right. We got to take a break. It's already time uh, to get the news, and then we'll be back for the 4 o'clock hour. Here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, so Robert Steinbach is here, of course, from uh, Bowen School of Law. His opinions are his and his alone and not do not necessarily reflect school law nor UALR. Uh, former Vice President, Congressman, Senator Joe Biden uh, was out uh, on the campaign trail, and somebody brought this piece up. Uh, and it's been out on uh, Twitter first, and now it's out on Facebook. And this is uh, Joe Biden back in 2006 talking about the border fence and I what he like, thought. Unlike most Democrats, some people like me. I voted for 700 miles. But let me tell you, 
We can build things 40 stories high. Unless you change the dynamic. Even in New Mexico, why I believe the fence is needed is not relating to immigration as much as the drug. I'm the guy that wrote the National Crime Bill. I'm the guy that wrote the National Drug Act. I'm the guy that wrote the law that set up a drug czar. People are driving across that border with tons of everything from byproducts from methamphetamine to cocaine to heroin. It's all coming up through corrupt Mexico. Wait, was that Joe Biden or was that Trump? Yeah, that exactly. was that exactly. was Joe Biden. That was exactly. not Donald Trump. And why did he say we needed a wall? Because of all the drugs that are coming across the border. Has that changed, Mr. Uh, Vice President, Mr. Congressman, Mr. Senator? The answer is no. Here's what's changed. He's running for president. There you go. In a, in a leftist environment within the democratic party totally changed his uh his whole thing there's a lot of things that can be done it it amazes me that uh, you have a guy that will try to do a 180 here and think that Nobody is going to remember what he used to say about it. Well, the big story in the New York Times uh, this weekend was uh, Joe Biden hasn't made a flub yet. That's the big story. Joe Biden hasn't stepped on his tongue yet. That's his big accomplishment. Well, really remarkable. That's pretty much stepping on your tongue. Yeah. I mean, seriously. Exactly. That's and of course, yeah. Their horizon is today. He hasn't stepped on his tongue. Today. Yes, that's well, it's true. I mean, that's what it comes down to uh, exactly is that you have a situation here that Biden, he's got a track record. Of course. It's very easy to follow his track record. And uh, he can put it down. He's he's passed, helped pass legislation that he's co-sponsored. All of that can be brought up. I mean, and it will be in the primary. For sure. Get ready. For sure. They're going to they're going to push him hard from the left. Well, why did you do this? Well, why did you do that? Why have you changed? Suddenly, the party has moved further left than you were, and now you're willing to say, "Yeah, I I did that then, but I wouldn't do that now." Which is uh, so. What are we to expect of you when you're president? That's exactly right. Are you going to change with the whims? And you're going to do something today, and then tomorrow. Decide, oh, well, that was a foolish idea, and I apologize for it. Or that was a good idea, and I'm going to build a wall 40 foot tall. There you go. There you go. Who knows? Who knows? I I think that he's not being pushed by anybody. All he's he's doing right now is going out and giving stump speeches. That's right. In front of people that are very, very, very friendly to him, unions mainly. Well, look at it. His campaign is Hillary's campaign. First of all, unlike many of the other Democratic candidates, his campaign is Trump is dangerous. Hmm. I think I heard that. Oh, yes. That was the Hillary campaign. Um, unlike the other Democratic candidates, he's going out to uh, on an occasion, right? Not every day. Every week, once a week, he goes out to a pre-planned environment not taking questions, not interacting with the people. Hmm, sounds familiar. Oh, yeah. That was a Hillary campaign. Yeah. Uh, it's it's the same parade of horribles about the president, 
how the world is coming to an end, how democracy is dying, um, as Hillary continues to claim now. By the way, of course, you've heard, Dave, right? Hillary recently in her $2 per ticket uh, national tour with her husband, uh, the former president, said that the election was stolen from her, that it's illegitimate, essentially. And this is what she was pulling her hair out and having her face melt about when they asked during, again, I think the last debate, they said to President Trump, are you going to accept the results of the election? And he quite aptly says, well, we'll I'm see. see. We'll see. Yeah, I'm going to see what happens. Like, well, I will accept the legitimate results, win or lose, of the, of yeah. the election. But how do I know if there's not something mischievous that has happened? Because that's the future. I love when they ask you these questions about future conditional events where you, you're supposed to assume the condition uh, one way or the other. Well, I can't assume the, the outcome of that condition. And so he said, well, we'll see. We'll see what happens, what facts happen. Not whether or not he, that, whether or not he won, how it happened. And now Hillary, and Hillary then, of course, was face melting, just uh, as, as she always does. And now... Uh, claims, oh, well, the election was stolen from her. Yeah. It's such hypocrisy. They don't care. Of course they don't care. They don't care because the media won't question them on it. That's right. They will not push the leftists. So why is it different for you than it was for him? Right. I mean, that's the the follow-up there. There is no follow-up. There's no follow-up Yeah, they let them answer and they stop. Exactly. All right, with that in, I want to go back and play something I played before you came on. And this is uh, dealing with uh, Lindsey Graham, Senator mm-hmm. Graham. Mm-hmm. And he was talking about the FISA documents. I want to play something that he had to say, and then I want to play something that Rand Paul had uh, to say. Here's cut number one. We, we went to break a minute ago talking about the potential that the president will declassify some of these FISA-related documents. I don't know why the president hasn't done it yet. He said that he will do it. He told me that and others. Do you expect him to do it? And what will we learn from those documents? Well, I think you'll learn that the FBI was on notice that uh, Christopher Steele was not a reliable informant when it came to Trump that he was being paid for by the Democratic Party, that his work product had not been vetted, and that he was out to get Trump, and they used the dossier anyway. I think you're going to learn a lot about how the counterintelligence investigation actually opened up, that Papadopoulos wasn't working with the Russians. They put it in his head that the Russians stole Clinton emails. All this will be coming. Uh, sooner rather than later. And I'm glad the president waited to after Mueller was done so nobody can accuse him of interfering with the Mueller investigation because it's now over. All right. Now, with that, Rand Paul was on this the talking head circuit yesterday. Right, right. And he talked about the FISA court and that it was being used to spy on Trump and Americans. And here's what uh, the senator had to say. How about this idea that the president can could ask, it's appropriate for him to ask uh, the attorney general to investigate the former vice president? 
I think since the very beginning, this all has been politically motivated. Now both sides are doing it. I think it goes back even to the Clintons. This is why we shouldn't have special prosecutors. But one of the things that Adam Schiff and the other partisans don't understand is that if you're accused of a crime by a grand jury and they don't indict you, the prosecutor doesn't go all all over town saying, we thought he did this, we thought he did this, this is all the evidence. That's why a grand jury is secret. See, the Mueller investigation said that the president did not commit any underlying crime. And so now they're all saying he obstructed justice about something that was not considered to be a crime. So this is really, I think, degenerated into partisan politics. And the best thing we could do at this point is say, let's get on with the country's business. Are there some underlying constitutional issues? Yes, the primary underlying constitutional issue here is whether or not the FISA court, which is supposed to spy on foreigners, which has a lower constitutional standard, can you use the FISA court to spy on a presidential campaign? Can you use the FISA court to seek information about Americans. That truly is a travesty and truly is unconstitutional, and that's the root of the problem we should be addressing. No. Pretty good from Rand Paul. You recall when your good friend Kamala Harris was questioning the Attorney General and said, did the President ever suggest uh, that you investigate someone? And he he was a little uh, kind of... He could have given it a better answer, frankly. I suspect he agrees with that. Perhaps. Who knows? But in any event, he, he, he toyed with the word, what's it mean to suggest? Here's what I don't understand. The president is the chief law enforcement officer of the country, not the attorney general. The president is. Mm-hmm. And so he can say, I think there was wrongdoing going on with drug cartels, with the Hillary campaign, with anything he wants. Now, that doesn't mean it's the case. You can say, I think this is the case. Now, you are the criminal investigator, Mr. Attorney General. Go check it out. If there's nothing there, tell me. Tell me. If there's something there, prosecute it. If you think, and by the way, that doesn't mean he can or should do it for political reasons. So if the AG thinks, well, Mr. President, that's just, you're just being political. There's no substance there. Then the AG can tell him that. And the AG can resign. And there are political ramifications for the president if that occurs. But it's perfectly appropriate for the president to discuss law enforcement at an individual or collective level uh, with the attorney general. Remember, the president also gets to pardon individuals. He deals with individual criminal actors and potential criminal actors all the time. But the leftists have reinvented the notion of government. Mm-hmm. More importantly, reinvented our notion of government. Did the president ever suggest that you investigate somebody? My answer would have been, probably. That's his job. Yeah. That's his job. But these leftists, by the way, right? What, what did the leftists do? They implanted a spy to go interview an employee of the Trump campaign, because they said, why? Wait, wait, why? Well, maybe they were doing criminal acts. No, because the Russians were. And here's what's interesting. The Russians. Comey said, that's happened several times yeah, before. Exactly. Tell and, me when. Yeah. Could right? we know more about yeah. this? Yeah, and, I really love to hear. And that's what Rand's saying here. Exactly. Exactly. What we're hearing is there might have been unconstitutional things going on. Exactly. That's what we should really be looking at. Exactly. Oh, uh, Dave Ellswick um Somebody may try to sell you stolen goods, so we're going to tap your phone and violate your 
privacy rights and your constitutional rights. No. If someone's trying to sell you stolen goods, go tap that guy's phone. Don't tap my phone. Yep. There's no distinction. And Comey sits there, by the way. Sanctimonious. Sanctimonious. Unbelievable. Well, I, I can tell good and bad. The same way stroke. Is that how you pronounce it? Stroke. Stroke, stroke, whatever it is. There's Stroke and McCabe. The three of them. They were. They decided who was good and who was bad. It was like Caesar in the Colosseum. Thumbs up, thumbs down. It was unbelievable. And they would sit in judgment. This is like Hoover was. Remember, Hoover would come into a newly elected president with a dossier. Sound familiar, Dave? Hmm. And in the dossier, and Hoover would say, listen, there's a bunch of dirt in here about you. I've been able to collect it on your behalf. Trust me, I'll keep it under wraps. Now, that's blackmail. We know that's blackmail. So what did Comey do? He showed up in the president's office with a dossier. And he said, in this dossier, there's talk about you with prostitutes in Russia. Don't worry. I'll keep it under wraps. Sound familiar? If this is not Hoover-like, I don't know what is. Yeah. These cronies still haven't taken Hoover's name off the FBI building. And that's why he stayed in power so long. Exactly. He had, they said that Hoover had basically a folder on everybody. That's right. And what does Comey do? Show up with a folder on Trump. Oh, but, but I was doing it out of good motives. First of all, I'm not sure how I'm supposed to be able to discern the difference. Second of all, Shinola. That's what I say to that. I don't believe him. All I right. do not believe him. So let me ask, because Rand Paul brought something else up, and I've read a little bit on this, but what... Do you think about this, about Biden and his son? Let me pick up where Chairman Schiff good morning. just Good morning. Where Chairman Schiff just left off right there, that perhaps Congress should consider making it illegal to engage foreign governments, foreign assistance in campaigns. You agree? Well, I think the American people will be shocked and dismayed to know that Joe Biden's son was making $50,000 a month just a couple of months after he was dishonorably discharged from the military for drugs. $50,000 a month. I think most Americans will be dismayed that the president's son was doing this while Joe Biden was actually lobbying to have this company, you know, go free of prosecution. My understanding, this is reported in the New York Times, Joe Biden was asking the prosecutor to lay off of the company that Hunter Biden Biden was working for for fifty thousand dollars a month. That, 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 that's just that's, that's, out of the that's, military. That's, not, that's extraordinary. That's not what the, that's not what was reported. In fact, he was on an anti-corruption. Well, that's, exactly, that's exactly what was reported. Yes, that he got fifty thousand dollars a month right after he was kicked out of the military. That's exactly true, that's, and nobody disputes that. All right, I love. I, I like how Rand Paul handles people. Well, I also love. You ever notice it's this new game with the so-called media, and it's like the subliminal guy from Saturday Night Live. And you give an answer, and then they, they give this little opinion after you, you give an answer, like, well, that answer's not right. And then they, but let me ask you this. Wait, what? Wait, what? What kind of bait and switch is that? If I were ever on one of those shows and they tried that, I would say, listen, you've got 23 and a half hours plus of time in which you can share your opinions. Don't do, do it during an interview with time. me. Right, of me. Don't give your little snide opinions after my answer. Well, that's not true. You know, you think it's not true? You go do a story on it not being true. Meanwhile, it's true. Yeah. Bunch of political hacks. Of course, Stephanopoulos 
quite literally was a political hack. Yeah, for a long time. Right, I mean, that was his job. He probably still is. Well, I'd like to see what's going on of behind course he is. Like Donna Brazil, who worked for CNN and gave questions to the candidates to, to uh, you know, uh, uh, cause imbalance in the election. Yeah. All right. Don't forget about PI Roofing, what they've got going on. PI Roofing and Home Solutions. Now we'll clean your gutters and do it and make it look perfect. Because that's what PI Roofing does. They do it with your roof. They do it with the repairs to your house for the uh, leaks that you had in your roof before PI Roofing fixed them. Because Joel Johnson and Veronica's wife only hire the best people who can do the jobs. You have to prove you can do the job before Joel takes you on as one of his professionals at PI Roofing. Find out more. PIRoofing.com. Go to PIRoofing.com. Hey, don't forget about the Applied Research Center. Got several different studies going on that you can take advantage of. Remember, their phone number is 501-954-7822. All you got to do is call that number, ask about the study that you hear me mention, and they can give you all the specifics about it. Uh, They got one uh, going about uh, neck and back pain. Uh, If you're at the ages of 18 to 65, you must have a sudden onset of back pain due to muscle spasms. Uh, Acne, you can be from the age of 12 to 40. Uh, If you've got the acne on your face and it's a moderate to a severe acne case, they'd like to talk to you about that. And for you parents out there that have kids, you know how difficult that can be for them when they're in school. Uh, remember that you can get all of the medications absolutely free. And then finally, uh, type 2 diabetes. If you're on metformin only and you're the age of 18 or older, they'd like to talk to you about this study. That's Applied Research Center now enrolling in different studies. I've given you a few of them. There's others. Just give them a call. That's Applied Research Center of Arkansas, 501 954 7822. All right, when we come back in the next uh, half hour, uh, we'll pick up on uh, Kudlow. He had some things to say about what's going on with China, <laughs> and we will talk about that because Wall Street's nervous about it. A lot of investors nervous about it. I'm not nervous about it. I think the president knows what he's doing. He's got an end game here. We'll find out more about it when we come back on the Dave Ellswick Show. Well, here we go. All right, back with you to move into the final half hour, the 4 o'clock hour. Coming up in the next uh, hour, uh, Brenda and Joe will join us from Conduit News. We're going to talk about national news and uh, about how the left continues to drag down the United States. They do. You listen to them, see how much positive they say. Uh, about this country but uh, during uh, at least the next 20 minutes i'd like to talk about as you heard uh, during our newscast uh, the president says he's not worried about uh, what china's getting ready to do because he's already working on more uh, you know tariffs to put against the chinese because there's things that they've been doing and then we've got to make them stop doing it Larry Kudlow, who has been working with the president, talked about that today uh, and uh, yesterday, and we've got some audio for you on that. 
And uh, we're going to play some of it, and then we're going to talk about it. If you'd like to get involved in the conversation, 823-0965 is our local number. That's uh, 823-0965. So uh, Kudlow was, uh, or Kudlow was talking on, on uh, China, and he was saying what's really, really important is what we found out about the Russians back in the 60s. If you're going to deal with the Russians, you had to deal with them from a position of strength. You had to be tough with them. If not, they didn't they didn't take anything seriously. Well, he's saying that it's a lot like that with China. You pointed out the president's tweet on Friday where he seemed pretty conciliatory. In fact, the stock market, which had dropped dramatically on Friday with news that the, that the that the talks, the negotiations had ended without any deal, rose on the kind of conciliatory, optimistic uh, tone from the president and from Treasury Secretary Mnuchin. The president was much more combative in a tweet yesterday, late yesterday. I want to put this up on the screen. I think that China felt that they were being beaten so badly in the recent negotiations that they may as well wait around for the next election, 2020, to see if they could get lucky and have a Democrat win. The deal will become far worse for them is it if it has to be negotiated in my second term that's a lot tougher than the president was talking on friday how come well look that's his view um we think sometimes china may be misinterpreting u.s politics i don't want to go deep into that but i think there's always an issue there here's the the, the fundamental things we, I mean, we've said this many times um Intellectual property theft has to be fixed. Uh, forced technology transfer and ownership of American companies has to be fixed. Uh, cyber interventions have to be fixed. Tariff and non-tariff barriers have to be fixed. And there have to be very, very strong enforcement provisions. Okay. Uh, some of the Chinese officials have said, both in Beijing and here with the Mr. Liu He, that this is, the agreement was too unbalanced, okay, and had to be, uh, no, the relationship has been too unbalanced. And because of these problems of unfair and sometimes uh, uh, unlawful trading practices, we have to have a very strong agreement to correct, to right these wrongs before we will be satisfied. How do you how do you view what uh, Larry just said? Well, he's right. Look, I believe in free trade. And as many of the president's advisors and the president himself have pointed out, but fair trade. And so if one side puts up barriers and you just say oh well i'm for free trade and let's just you know we all get along from your end only though right well then then you're being taken advantage of yes the other thing is kudlow has been getting some heat right now for saying well you both pay when you put up both sides suffer pay whatever it may be uh, when you put up tariffs but, well of course you do it's basic economics but it offers pressure on the other side meaning if you put a tariff on something, part uh, the price of the item goes up, the quantity sold goes down, and the price goes up somewhat shy of uh, – uh, so, uh, something shy of, depending on the angle of those curves that we're looking at, of what the tariff is. So if you put a $1 tariff, an item won't go up typically a dollar. Let's say it goes up 50 cents. So conceptually, you can characterize that as – the consumer pays 50 cents more and the seller, in this case, China, 
uh, pays uh, or absorbs 50% and 50 cents uh, of that tariff. It depends on how steep the supply and the demand curves are, but the bottom line is it imposes a hardship on the seller, but yes, also on the consumer. That's why in the end, if there's truly a free market, everyone benefits. But we will take some pain to cause the other side to stop mistreating us. That's right. And that's what the president's trying to do. I don't know if it's going to work. And by the way, if it doesn't work, that means if they don't change their ways and all we do is increase tariffs in the long run, that's harmful. It only is beneficial if, in the long run, it causes China to realize the pain they're suffering and relent. That's the only way it works. Otherwise, in the end, it will not have worked. But, of course, you don't know that in advance. The same way, you know, you go in for hip surgery and some small percentage of people going for hip surgery never come out, right? They die. Well, for that guy, was that a good decision? Not after the fact. No. Not after the fact. But you don't know after the fact. Because we don't have crystal balls. And that's why, as I mentioned earlier, when the president was asked, will you accept the results of the election in 2016? He said, I don't know yet. we got to find out. Same thing here. Well, let's go back to the 60s when Kennedy was president. Mm-hmm. And he was eyeball to eyeball with Khrushchev. Sure. And Khrushchev had put missiles in Cuba. That's right. We established... A blockade. That's right. And we threatened to shoot any Russian ship out of the water if they tried to break it. That's right. Well, either they're going to turn back. Exactly. Or or we're going to start shooting at each other. That's right. And you got to take your chances. That's right. You got to figure out. They got, you got to think. They've got more to lose than we do, and Hopefully. that's what they right. what they uh, they bet on. That's right. Trump has said before, uh, a few months back, that the Chinese economy was in such a problem right now that they stand to lose more than we do, and mm-hmm. he believes. Now he didn't say this last part. I'm saying it. Mm-hmm. He believes they'll blink. Mm-hmm. Well, of course he does. Meaning, uh, I'm not, and I'm not disputing that. Otherwise, we wouldn't be doing this. Mm-hmm. There'd be no reason to do this unless you believe they'll blink. But it's not about playing chicken. It's about the fact that they are being one-sided in their trade relationship, and that's not something. Well, that, they are taking advantage of us. Yes, exactly. And so that cannot persist long term. That's why they'll blink, not because of weakness, not because of some trickery, because they're on the wrong side of the equation, so to speak, when it comes to free trade. Now, you got to understand the way the Chinese have been making their products better is by stealing the intellectual property of companies of America. When a company in America wants to open up a a shop in China, now they've got to almost give them that one, and a duplicate Chinese company is born on the back of the American company, which gives them all of the information coming from that company, which means... They don't need that company anymore once they learn how to do it. They send them home and they start making it 
in China and selling it here. Yeah, there's rampant um, stealing of patented ideas, right? So if someone in the United States invents a product and and has China produce that product. Yeah, we're not talking about pet rocks here now. Right, exactly. Uh, the Chinese are renowned for ripping it off and producing their own. Absolutely. Uh, even sometimes when they're not producing the first item in China because the Chinese have spies in America. Are, yep. we, are we still allowed to use that word, Dave? Spies? Yes, yes. Right? You know, oh my there goodness. is spies. Yeah, I mean, there was face melting by the Democrats. Well, the AG said that when the former administration implanted a CIA operative to meet with Papadopoulos, that that's spying. How dare he? No, we consider Wait, that surveillance. Your surveillance. Uh, CIA well, operative surveillance, with a honeypot. Same thing. In England, <laughs> uh, to have him say bad things about the Trump yeah. uh, campaign. Let's not spy. All right. So Kudlow continues to have this conversation with Wallace, and they get into the whole thing about, well, what do you think China's going to do? Mm -hmm. I want to start with something that you said a couple of weeks ago when you were pretty optimistic about a trade deal with China. Here you are. I think we're on about the seven yard line. Okay. Maybe, Maybe even the five yard line looking into the end zone. What yard line are we on now, and what set us back? Well, we may still be on the five or the seven, but as I said in that clip, um, that's the last, those are the toughest yards to get. So, look, the situation for us from our standpoint, um, we were moving well, constructed talks, and I still think that's the case. We're going to continue the talks, as the president suggested uh, in his tweet on Friday. But the problem is, uh, two weeks ago in China, there was backtracking by the Chinese, and we... We covered the same ground with Liu He this uh, past week, uh, Ambassador Lighthizer and Secretary Mnuchin. You can't forget this. This is a huge deal, the broadest scope and scale, anything the two countries have ever had before. But we have to get through a lot of issues. For many years, China trade was unfair, non-reciprocal unbalanced in many cases unlawful and so we have to correct those and one of the sticking points right now is we would like to see these corrections in an agreement which is codified by law in china not just a state council announcement we need to see something much clearer and until we do we have to keep our tariffs on that's part of the enforcement process as far as we're concerned and as the president has said things that seem to be taking too long and we can't accept any backtracking we are representing the united states the economy farmers auto workers manufacturers these are crucial parts to this discussion so we want to be as sure as we can be we don't think the chinese have come far enough we'll wait and see the talks will continue and i will say this is a g20 meeting in japan uh, toward the end of june next month um the chances that president uh, trump and uh, president xi will get together at that meeting are probably pretty good so there you go so they've you know they're thinking this out they're pretty sure china cannot there's I, we don't have time to go into what some of the problems are with the chinese economy right now but there are multiple problems and with that case uh they think that they'll fold absolutely not like a house of cards no, that no, way. No, they, because here's what's really important robert for the Chinese, for the Russians, you got to save face. Not only that, Dave, 
no prior administration has made any concerted effort to tell to the be Chinese, tough, right? To be tough, mm-hmm. but Democrats and Republicans alike. These previous presidents, they come in, they say, well, I'm going to be a war maker and a peacemaker and a social engineer. But none of them come in and say, I'm going to look out for the interests of the pocketbooks of hardworking Americans. Yes, they say it's the economy, stupid, but they got to get to it. No one has a business. No one had a business perspective of saying, well, we need to engage in a deal, a deal in which we both benefit. They have these multilateral um, uh, treaties. Multilateral treaties don't ever benefit one single party, particularly when they are multilateral, typically with a, a union of entities or states against us. We're not going to win in that deal. So the president is the first one to come in with a business perspective. Yeah, I'll talk about the others didn't come in with a business perspective because they came in with a different idea, and I'll explain what that was. But it has not, in any way, shape, or form, worked. That's right. And we'll talk about it when we come back. It's Dave Ellswick's show. Robert Steinbach's here. Good conversation today. This is where the real meat and potatoes has happened, and I'm just telling you. Let's go take a break. Hey, don't forget this month is Motorcycle Awareness Month. So if you're looking for some great coverage at great rates for your bike, and what you need to do is get what you need at uh, Dwayne Smith with Allstate Insurance. They understand all the stuff about owning a motorcycle and insuring it because they ride motorcycles themselves. It's always better to buy motorcycle insurance from someone who rides one and understands what you really need and what you don't need. Call today, 501-819-0373, and, and let their team give you a quote on your motorcycle insurance they can offer you options also on other items besides motorcycles how about home auto atv boat health uh so much more life so much more and they can even help you seriously with life insurance you need only call 501-819-0373 and also may is national military appreciation month and the Dwayne smith insurance agency has over 30 years of military experience, and they love military men and women. So stop in. Let them help you all out with your insurance. Call Dwayne Smith with Allstate Insurance today, 501-819-0373, or just stop by their location. They're at 3920 East Keel Avenue in Sherwood. All right, Dave Ellswick Show. I told you I would talk a little bit about in trade, what Nixon and, uh, you know, came up with as far as uh, what he was trying to do with China. Because, you know, he's the one who broke broke the wall down uh, for the United States with Kissinger and things of that nature. And so, you, you know, you had all of these other presidents that uh, just wouldn't, you know, shut off uh, the talks with the Chinese, even though they weren't, you know, they were getting taken advantage of. And what it was is that free trade or trade typically raises the boats of the people in a country like 
China. They were a developing economy. They were not developed. They are now, and that's got to. That's one of the things we're probably arguing about. To be honestly, not to be a a developing economy. They are a developed economy now, but they wanted China not to be warmongers. They wanted them to be trading partners, right. and they worked hard with that. Only thing that has happened. There's still the hardliners over there, and they still have a view of, you know, Maoism controlling the world, and I think that's a problem. It is a problem. Of course, communism is a problem. Communism is a is a dead concept, and it's also an expansionary concept. I mean, dead morally, uh, morally bankrupt, but it's an expansionary concept. Uh, and it's by definition a totalitarian concept. And people like Nixon, I, I said earlier, it's Republican and Democrat, Democratic presidents alike. They want to change the world. They want to save the world. They did not view their jobs as president as being the uh, representative of the people of the United States. They wanted to be saviors, important history. And President Trump is like a business representative or a lawyer. His job is to represent us. His job is to do what we tell him to do. So when he ran for election, he said, here's some of the things I'm going to do. I'm going to move the embassy in Israel. And guess what he did? Move the embassy in Israel. And everybody, their faces melted. Well, on the left and the right, by the way, the, when I say the right, I mean sort of the uh, rhino Republican types, no, yeah. right? Hard, uh, hard rhino. Right, exactly. And they, were, they all made the same promises when they were in office and did nothing. And voted for it. Of course, in the vote, 99 to to zero, I think, in the Senate, right? And they voted for it. And all of these hacks, all of these hacks now uh, come out of the woodwork. Oh, first of all, we've got to extort something out of our friend Israel. Extort? No. No. And and, and second of all, oh, watch out. It's going to be the end of the world as we know it. Like that, was it R.E.M. who sings that song, right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, and, and sure enough, what happened? Nothing. Nothing happened. No great tragedy. And we did what the president and every prior president promised to do. But this president got it done. It's just one example. But it, it's, it demonstrates that this president acts with, with the premise that he's the representative of the, of the people. China has to be watched closely right now. Absolutely. And let me tell you why Always, it by is. The way. Always. Here you have a country that has been the the government has controlled the people forever exactly with trade going the way they has they started get internet and all kinds of stuff so now they're starting to see beyond their borders they're starting to understand about freedom some you got the you got the the communist party still but it's starting to slowly crack mm-hmm. and so they got to make their mind up are they going to make a move militarily to be able to push forth their their philosophical beliefs, or are they going to play nice and everybody be happy with what's going on in their borders? That's what our CIA is paying attention to right now. Absolutely, they got to know. They got they got to figure it out, Absolutely. and it's not easy to do. All right, with that, that's why they break down on the church so hard, my friends. They crack down on church because the church says God loves you, and the state doesn't. All right, so you 
keep that in mind. All right, let's take a break. We'll come back. Brenda Joe will be with us here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Yeah, tell you what, uh, today on uh, the Patriots of Arkansas, they put a new post up that I thought was pretty good. And Brenda and Joe have joined us now as well. Here's what it says on their Facebook. Think of the consequences if you do nothing. And I mean, that goes kind of along with the one we've heard that, uh, you know, you know, if good, if good men do nothing, you know, right. evil will triumph. I mean, that's, you know, the same kind of concept. But that's a good thing because I hear that from people from time to time. I'm done with politics. I'm done with this because I hasn't done any good. I voted somebody that I really wanted. They got in there and they're just like the other ones. Blah, blah, blah. Well, that just means you got to go back, change them again. Well, you, you'll find somebody who's going to do this the way they're supposed to do it. I've said to you uh, on numerous occasions recently uh, and numerous occasions on the air, I never had an interest in running for politics. It just wasn't my thing. And but and I've told you recently, and I'm not sure if I said this on the air before, now I may be interested. Why? Not because I want to be a, a politician, not because I want to be an elected official, but because as we discussed last Thursday, uh, I give a B- minus to this legislature. And with a 75% Republican legislature, they should be able to get a, a higher than a B-. minus. Hey, Joe and Brenda, we ranked uh, the legislature. We were here with Bob Ballinger, a senator, of course, and Senator Kim Hammer, and we ranked the sort of output of this state legislature. Yeah, we de- Constructed the general session. That's exactly right. And we, I think we all really agreed and genuinely that we gave them roughly a B minus. I mean, it wasn't terrible, but it wasn't great. So, what are your grades? I know you guys are coming out with your individual grades for legislators, but what's your overall grade uh, for the legislative session? That's funny you should say that. Today we we created a we put together thirteen of our favorite bills that were you know filed mm-hmm. and and we used those thirteen and these are economic bills mm-hmm. economic freedom right and we we came up with a score for the legislature oh that's funny that's funny yeah and it, I believe it was in the sub D range but it's interesting <laughs> that well you we guys we ranked it we ranked it a D minus when it came to economics. Well, of course. Well, what else, one out of a hundred. What, what else matters? I mean, you know, you can feel good about how many minutes you've saved on a baby's life, or you can worry about whether you're going to go bankrupt, which relegates everything else to unimportant. Well, I mean, I'm very proud of the pro-life bills that were passed, and, and there's no substitute for life. But if you don't have money, you're not going to have freedom. Um, and, you know, we're looking at the financial bills, literally 31%. They passed four of these thirteen bills, and these are not radical bills. Right, that's yeah. not a great. Well, when you when you ask the legislature to to rate themselves, you get you know, you get a really good score. Oh, I don't know if I would give B minus a great score. I I, don't, I I look, you guys aptly. Your focus is economic issues, and so that's the ranking. Uh, I think we had four categories. We had life, we had guns, we had economics. What was the fourth? I can't remember now. I think we had a fourth transparency? category. Tra- maybe it was transparency. Maybe, yeah. yeah, it was yeah. transparency. Transparency. Yeah, yeah, and, uh, yeah, and, and free speech and free speech. I kind of put that with the transparency, you know. I, maybe I shouldn't. Maybe it should be five categories. But so different levels of success along those. Well, 
Well, our bills, you know, if you're going to talk to conservatives, these bills that we listed are not really radical bills. I Mm -hmm. mean, the four that were passed uh, was, you know, an unemployment tax cut for employers. That was good. Kim Hammer, Robin Lundstrom. You know, the income, straight income tax cut is the, the... one of the very best bills we've seen the legislature do when Dismayne got it, you know, amended so that it was just a clean tax cut. And then expanding scope of practice for optometrists and, you know, least restrictive licensing requirements. Those were the four that passed of the 13. And what are the, what are the four best ones that didn't pass? Well, there's, there's, yeah, there's, um, nine, there's nine of them. I know. Well, do, you want to give me all nine? Give me all nine. Or any of them. Well, the, the probably the foremost one is the bill to end Arkansas Works and go to a fee-for-service mm-hmm. model by Josh mm-hmm. Miller. I mean, that was a no-brainer. Uh, school choice tax credit, another one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Improving the minimum wage law, funding mm-hmm. roads without raising taxes, which was originally Jonathan Barnett's bill. Uh, increasing access to health care with APRNs, been a good one. Uh, APRNs as primary care for Medicaid, uh, another no-brainer. Um, no taxpayer money for teachers unions and other groups, which probably should have went a lot further. Chambers of Commerce, etc. Municipal League. Can you believe that taxpayer dollars go to fund the Municipal League, who, as an organization, consistently works against the interests of Arkansas citizens? Well, that's right, but they help get people elected. And exactly. It's more important to the legislature. Read those other two radical bills, Joe. The sales tax cut on the used vehicles. Yeah, that, that's the, a no-brainer, we didn't, too. We didn't get that one? That no. didn't pass? No. Oh, my gosh. Well, and then you got sovereign immunity to end that again, so you can't file for redress of grievances against your government. Amen. Uh, Amen. Uh, you know that's the most uh, important many, one. I mean, how many Republicans do you have to elect to get this done? It, 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 I mean, it just these are not radical bills. Is our point? You know, these are just good conservative small business freedom bills. I mean, by the by the <laughs> yeah. margins that we saw on some of them, it would require a hundred percent. Senate and House to be Republican to even get close to passing something like these. It's really remarkable. Let's talk. Let's talk in detail about some of these. You guys are so right on the money on on so many of these issues. No pun intended. Sovereign immunity, which which means if the government injures you, the government injures you. You can't recover from the government. And then I've heard some of these elected representatives, and I'm not going to name names today. Maybe I will, but I certainly will in the future. Uh, Yeah, I should do it today, right? Well, you can go to the Claims Commission. But we'll name the sponsors of the bills. That'll get us the positive side. There you go. Can you imagine? They say, well, if if someone sues the government, all the Arkansans have to pay for that, you know, from tax dollars. And my response is, if someone's injured by the state, government, that's an Arkansas citizen as well, and he or she should be compensated. And by the way, it creates a positive incentive so that government isn't injuring its own citizens. Is this really a controversial notion? Well, it happens all the time, and and also happens a lot at the federal level. Mm-hmm. You just take the take the IRS for example. You know, we run around six months with sixteen different letters back and forth, and, and a bunch of research to find out that they made a mistake on a social security number. Amazing. Well, well to uh, you know. 
counter the legislature who doesn't want to harm the citizens of the state? Are they going to uh, disclaim their retirement, their pension? That's right. You know, because it's certainly going to cost the Arkansans to pay that. That's a good you point. Know, one of the bills we scored. Did we, did we score the one where you couldn't get a pension if you were convicted of a felony? Yeah. Well, who was that? He well, was on. Uh, he, he introduced that on Dave's show. Yeah, that's Mark Johnson. Yeah, Mark Johnson couldn't even get Mark Johnson's bill passed, and 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 these legislators who are in the pocket of who knows whom, uh, they come up with these sham arguments of, well, that's unconstitutional. You can't. Uh, no, it's not. When did you become a constitutional scholar? Moreover, if you're so worried that's unconstitutional, guess what? It won't get enforced. Courts aren't going to enforce it if it's truly unconstitutional. So what are you, what are you sweating over? What are you face-melting over? Just pass the darn bill already. And what about well, the school uh, truth? Go ahead. Go ahead, Joe. I mean, if you watch the legislature over a decade like we have, look at financial reports, look at voting patterns, it, it's not difficult to see what's going on, and it's exactly what people think is going on. You know, they pick winners and losers based on their self-interest to stay in office. Or to advance an office. That's it. It's, I mean, it's no more complicated than that. I mean, were y'all there when they uh, discussed in committee that bill about the pensions? I was told that as soon yep. as Nick Wilson's name came up, that people went ballistic. Yeah. Mark Johnson said the, uh, I forget what the people were. The, it's the people who look at the the charts about different things. And, and he said they were. Uh, the actuaries? The, yeah. Actuaries that the, the problem they were having is people saying, "Well, part of the money is coming from the individual, part of the money is coming from, from the, government. the government, and uh, it's not it's not legal to take the money that was taken from the person that they should get that back." He said that they went to interim study with that, and he said, "I predict, Dave, that we will we will solve this in interim study." And uh, since it's a financial uh, uh, situation, that will get it passed in the, oh, the uh, next session, the next the next, uh, next uh, financial session. I got to get Mark back on see if he still feels that positive about it. Well, I know that there's been a lot of confidence in numbers that come out of the state house. Uh, the confidence seems to have uh, diminished in the last few months. Well, it's it, it, the other bill that you made, one of the other bills that you just mentioned was the vouchers uh, for school choice. Again, how is that a complicated issue, particularly for Republicans? Yeah, how does, it how, is when you got, you know, the, as you heard Ballinger say last week, that the community, some of the communities that you represent identify themselves through their school system. Right, right. And if the superintendent says, I don't like it, then you better vote against it. Well, and that's the problem superintendents are driving the outcome. And and what are superintendents? They're un- unelected bureau hacks. That's what they are. They're there to They're do... Some of the most highly paid people in that district, I would predict. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Plus, they, they use the communication avenues open to them to spread the word of who to support and not support in That's elections right. That's right. throughout the school systems illegally. That's well, right. But our, our culture... You know, gives honor and appreciation to those that we have promoted and put in high places. It's just like going against the Republican establishment in any Republican committee across the state. It's very hard to go against the governor. It's hard to go against the Senate pro temp, the speaker. I mean, our cult, we're, 
we're from a culture of appreciating those we've placed in authority. So when the superintendent says that, how many people are going to stand up in a school board meeting and say, you know, back off, guy, my kid can't read? Yeah, exactly. Well, you're dead, you're, you're right on the money on that, uh, but it's a tragedy. They work for us, they were appointed by us, and then they turn it around and say, we're going to tell you what to do and how to act, just like when these um Sheriffs and or police chiefs, I'm not sure which was the driving force, if not both, uh, in opposition to Stand Your Ground, a law that exists in 33 states, including California, and we can't pass it in the allegedly very uh, Republican legislature. Well, you've got psychopaths like uh, this Flowers stood up in those committee meetings and said what they said, and, and we just fold. Well, and and to borrow a line from you, Joe, and I mean this sincerely, and then a Republican, Cooper, who went against the, the Republican position. So, listen. Well, Cooper, Cooper uh, you, does what he's told. But, yeah, you know, Flowers, uh, I'll say this about Flowers. She's pursuing the, the, the leftist agenda. She's a oh, Democrat. Oh, absolutely. She's a Democrat. I don't blame her for and being— And she doesn't make any qualms exactly, about it. Exactly, exactly. Uh, and by the way, I spoke to her as a person, uh, and she was, uh, you know, uh, sort of compelling personal narrative. But it's it's remarkable that that yeah, I expect her no vote, but Cooper's voting no. I'm voting no on Cooper. I'll tell you that right well, now. Well, lapdog Cooper does whatever he's told. We've, mm-hmm. we've learned that early on, and I'll tell you what you can you can best summarize what what we've just discussed. I honestly believe that the leftists, in most cases, are more committed to their agenda than we are to our agenda. It has to be the case, right? If we're 75 percent Republican and we couldn't get so many of the good bills passed, uh, that means the Democrats were able to kill them. Then absolutely the math works out exactly like you say, Joe. The Democrats are more committed to their agenda than the Republicans have been in this last legislative session. We had a mediocre outcome on, on guns. We had a pretty good outcome on life. We did not have a great record on economics. We did not have a great record on free speech, although we did pass the Dave Ellswick free speech bill, which is quite an accomplishment. Don't get me wrong. We didn't have a great outcome on transparency. So, uh, no, the Republicans are not committed to the Republican agenda, exactly like you say. When we, you know, we've been doing impressions of the session on the Paul Harrell Conduct News Media uh, Station Mm -hmm. program. We're not getting a B minus so far. I mean, I I want to take my next college classes from you guys. I like your method, you know. Well, you got to you have to remember that we're doing more than just economics. We're 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 looking at all different areas uh, that we're we're striking out. I mean, the whole thing about common the common ground, uh, being able to protect yourself. Uh, and not having to retreat. Stand your ground. Yeah, yeah, stand your ground. That was one of the worst things I've ever seen. And that was one Republican who who just did a terrible job. Hopefully he won't be back. Well, I realize that you're grading on the curve or looking at a broad, but you've named several issues, and I've only heard one that we really made it a a, you know shining grade, and that was pro-life. I mean, where's the other good ones? I don't want to miss them. Well, you know, I got to give a lot of credit, seriously, to the Dave Ellswick free speech bill in terms of overall free speech. Now, we had another bill uh, that we couldn't even get past Trent Garner, who had allied himself effectively with the. 
two groups that spoke against the bill was the university and the municipal league on free speech for public employees. If you're allying yourself with the municipal league and with um, the uh, university, then uh, I think we've got a problem. Right? Then you're trying to get special elections passed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I, I think we've got I think we've got a problem when you're you're of, have allied yourself with the bureaucrats because that's what it is. They literally are afraid. Here's what the bill would have done, uh, Joe and Brenda. The bill said quite simply, in layman's terms, of course, at home at night uh, when you're sitting in your footsie pajamas on Facebook and you put something uh, on uh, uh, Facebook about your views. Uh, that the government can't discipline or fire you for that. How controversial is that? All right. I need everybody to hold on. We've got to get a break in. I've just been notified. Mark Johnson will be on my show 3 o'clock on Thursday to talk about that retirement bill that's in interim study. We'll be back in a moment on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right. Back with you. Let's. Uh, we got about two minutes before we get to the news. So I, here's my whole thing about a B-minus. I am not going to throw every Republican into the same uh, group of people. We, have, we haven't gotten that group that we need yet that gives us enough real conservatism that we're going to see some wholesale changes in the state. But we're slowly getting there. I mean, I look at Lundstrom and, and some of the others that are over there in She's the House really side, and, and they're getting really, really good. Uh, but there's still a lot of people that are, are running uh, as Republicans that they're not. They're just, you know, they're not. Here's my thing. I don't think they're rhinos. I just think they don't know what they're doing at times. Does that does that sound fair? Well, I, I somewhat agree with your optimism on the House side. I would, But it takes the House and the Senate and a governor. And the Senate seems to be going backwards quickly. Well, the governorship, I think, will go forward quickly after the next general uh, session. Well, unless we elect a Democrat, it's got to. Well, I, we won't. We have we, the closest thing to a Democrat than you can get. Well, we, we're we not going to elect a, a Democrat. We're, well, we're going to elect we're Tim gonna Griffin. Be, yeah, we're going we're gonna to get Tim Griffin in there. And, and Tim is going to. We're going to move forward with Tim. I do believe that. Well, the Senate's going to really take some work because the, the special interests got a stranglehold on them, and if and if you don't play ball, they run somebody against you. But here's yeah, what's here's that. what's really good, you all, and and then I'm gonna, I jumped in because we got to go to a break. When Tim gets in there, Tim knows how to use media, and I believe Tim Griffin will get in front of a camera and say, "This can't continue." And uh, we got to move on. And he will embarrass some people if necessary. He's he's got a doesn't have a whole lot of him, but he's got a little bit of Trump in him, and he'll he'll use that. We'll be back and say we'll talk further about that in just a second. We got about eight seconds here. Let me get us to news, and then we'll be back. Brenda and Joe are with us from Conduit News, ConduitNews dot com. Back with you, Dave Ellswick Show again. Let me remind you, I just got to confirmation. Uh, State Senator Mark Johnson will be on with us at 3 o'clock on uh, uh, Thursday to talk about uh, this whole thing about uh, if somebody commits a felony while they're holding an office and it has to do with their office, that they would lose their uh, retirement. And uh, 
he'll bring us up to date on what all's yeah. going on with Bob. I, I, I like Mark, and I think that was an outstanding bill. Uh, I wasn't very pleased with his uh, unwillingness to support one of Hammer's bills, one or two of Hammer's bills in education. Um, and uh, so uh, if I come on with you, Dave was saying during the break, if I had time, I could come on Thursday and I have to check. But if I do, I- I'm going to ask Mark about that. I'll yeah, tell you go that ahead. right now. Go ahead. Yeah. He'll be happy to, oh, a- to answer about all that. I know. I just uh, What I want everybody to understand about myself, I, I try not to just cast all Republicans exactly. under an umbrella of they're, they're rhinos and they're not doing the deal. There's a great group of Republicans in the House. I've never st- sat down and thought about the Senate side, but I know there's some senators as well that are, um, I believe, as, as strong uh, you know, conservatives as they come. Now, do I believe there's a lot of them that are, you know, big-time rhinos? You better believe mm-hmm. it. And, uh, you know, John Cooper is one of the worst. Mm-hmm. And I'm hoping he's gone because I'm, I'm hoping that Dan Sullivan will unseat him uh, in the next election. So and with, with that said, that's, that's kind of how I, I try to, to approach the subject of, of the Republicans. Joe, Brenda, what do you guys think? What level of nuance do you want to apply to our uh, Republicans in the legislature? Uh, yay or nay? Well, just, you, you're going to well, you do grade them, right? I wanted to follow up on a comment that you made as we were ending for break about yeah. Tim Griffin running for governor. Mm-hmm. And I've said this before, but maybe the listeners will really start to catch on. And I'm excited to think that our county committees, that our party, Republican Party, may go through a phase of having to grow up because those county committees are no longer going to be able to be no free speech zones That's as they right. were in this last primary. You know, when you have Griffin and Jim Hendren uh, debating, it may be that you can't tell Tim Griffin to be quiet. Yeah. <laughs> can't talk. You know? I want to see. I want somebody to tell Tim Griffin to, to be yeah. quiet while he's talking. Well, is, well, I, certainly I, what they did this last primary. I mean, let's be honest and let's hope that never happens again. Tell us more well, about that. What happened, Brenda, in the last primary? Well, for, for example, uh, you know, we have the scorecard. Joe and I, two years ago, we go to a county committee and we were told, you may not mention a legislator's name when you discuss your scorecard. Oh in other gosh. words, we couldn't say how anybody voted. Oh, my gosh. You know, Jan Morgan, she's running in the primary. She goes, She's disinvited by several committees. She, when she does go, she's told, you can only say this, this, and this. I oh mean, it was goodness. very embarrassing. That's awful. Very embarrassing for freedom-loving people in a primary to be told, you know, who've been uh, working hard in primaries, you may not speak ill of another Republican because you don't like the way they vote. Well, and that's exactly the problem that with the, with the bill that I just mentioned to you, free speech for public employees on their off time. It's a small issue, and I've got the cabal of the Municipal League, the University, and Trent Garner opposing that bill. I mean, seriously, seriously, that's free speech. That's the opposite of free speech. These people don't want you to talk. And I pointed out in the committee meeting, may I say, folks, that uh, one of the things that today you could be fired for is if you were a school teacher and you posted on your Facebook something that was uh, against gay marriage. And I'm not saying you should be for or against gay marriage, but I certainly think you're entitled to have that opinion and post it on your Facebook and be a public employee and not get fired for it. And 
and that's all the bill would have done, and you can't even pass it? Well, but, Arkansas is often uh, easy to see that we're afraid of competition, mm-hmm. and we're afraid of ideas, mm-hmm. and that, that is not good for our state. Not good. Not good. We've got to fight well, especially this. Especially in the Republican apparatus. Uh, we claim to stand for one thing, but we produce something else. Well, that's what this 31% score of the legislature showed you and me. I mean, we were afraid of, uh, you know, economic freedom in Arkansas. Now, you're going you're gonna to love this is that, uh, you know, when we uh, get ready to de- deconstruct the session from the House side, I'm bringing on, uh, I'm going to try to get on Robin and trying nice to get, trying to get on uh, Julie Mayberry. I have two females come in and Robert and myself. And we'll see what the females have to say about this mm-hmm. the session. Mm-hmm. Dave, could you please stop dividing us? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Joe, you're right on the money. You know, it's all know. this race baiting and this and this <laughs> gender baiting. And exactly. That's all we hear. Yeah, earlier you had asked it, what we thought about this, the session in general. And yeah. knowing that this is... Uh, Christian-based broadcasting network, I I have to uh, pass. pass. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> I, I, I understand that. I think, I think we decoded that one, Joe. Okay, so let me ask you two, because you all are astute. You know what's going on. Does Dan Sullivan, uh, does he beat John Cooper for Senate? In the primary? Absolutely. No, no question. Good. Okay. People, people are smart. You know, the, the voters are, are a lot smarter than we give them credit for if they're allowed to hear. They elected John Cooper for a reason. And, and the first and thing he, he did is vote against why he ran. Dan, and tell, That's uh, right. Brenda, tell, tell the audience, remind the audience exactly what John he Cooper ran. promised and then uh, uh, went back on a, a, a wink later, a second later. Go ahead. Uh, we, we supported uh, John Cooper against Dan Sullivan, and uh, John Cooper won by less than 70 votes, as I recall. And Cooper's primary issue was against the private option Medicaid expansion, which was Obamacare, you know, delivered through yeah, the Medicaid expansion. Yeah, he was very 100% clear on his position. Dan Sullivan's position, as I remembered it in that primary, was he was not quite sure. He had to learn a little bit more. Yeah, that's right. But he didn't want to take a hard stance at that time, and that sunk him in the primary. And that's frankly why we didn't come down on his side. Mm-hmm. And then tell us what uh, uh, Cooper did immediately upon getting into office. Well, I think he mailed in his vote before he even took his oath of office. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He voted for it immediately. Vo- voted so for Obamacare. Right, so I'm going to vote this yeah. way. <laughs> oh, yeah. He, he voted against Obamacare. It, 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 it's it's stunned. It. It yeah. stunned everybody. Yeah. The, the, the keystone was, of his whole election campaign was no to Obamacare. And the first vote, essentially, that he makes, pro-Obamacare, for Obamacare. That's right. And, and Dan Sullivan has been a staunch opposition yeah, ever has. since he was elected. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Guy, he says, you know, I'm glad I was defeated then. I've learned a lot, and it might not have worked out had I had an easy win. So, mm-hmm. you know. Well, now, now you know why they say that they can't have a conduit-supported candidate elected again, because that really muddies up the water for the establishment down there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, it's going to be fun then to see about uh, – this next uh, primary election with Dan Sullivan, and that's going to happen oh, yeah. in March. I oh, mean, yeah. that's going to be oh, soon. Right the court. I'm going to go down and campaign for Dan, and notwithstanding that, he might win. 
<laughs> Good for you. Yeah. Despite I, uh, that, relate. the hospitals pool their resources with the chambers of commerce and the uh, insurance, insurance health, the health industry. I mean, they they put up a strong fight to take this seat back, and, and Dan will have his hands full. But I believe that the the voters there know Dan, and they appreciate that he stuck to his word. Well, he was lied about and all kinds of th- stuff in the last uh, House seat race there. But it's going to be interesting. It, am I correct that I've heard – that one of the main people running for for Sullivan's seat is the same guy that ran for that seat the last time, and he's basically just a mouth for one of the hospitals there. Yes, Cox I, is that his name? I haven't heard that. I've not. I'm Bobby Long is all I know. He's running for Dan's seat. No, you talking about the Dan's opposition? Oh, you mean is it, the Senate in the House in the House last election? Yeah, uh, yeah, he he, he was up. Yeah, he was a hospital lackey, An emergency room doctor. Yeah, is that you know, what's you, his you name? For your self interest, that's just that's it. People people, you know, do what is in their self interest to do. Yeah, I I liked what. Uh, uh, what Josh came up with as far if, if do I have that correct, Josh? Uh, Miller that uh, tried to run that, uh, you know, per charge for when you go into the to the hospital or whatever, instead of having the way we got it set up for. Um, yeah, you know. absolutely. That, that clearly the, the the mass, the dollars would have worked out much better. But what would have happened also is all the slush money would have dried up. Yeah. Or a lot of it would have dried up. And that just pretty much tells you all you need to know about what the private option Arkansas Works was and is, is it's a big slush fund that everybody gets uh, everybody gets paid, everybody's campaigns get funded, and you know that's just what it was and still is. Well, there's still plenty of money. It's that the guarantee of the twenty percent profit to the insurance company and the two two and a half percent that goes tax. away. Right. Yes. Yeah, I mean immediately that would go away and. I'm all about that uh, because I don't think that the government should ever guarantee any business any kind of money. In the past, we have adamantly supported Terry Rice. We were we were disappointed to see him sponsor the tax increase uh, for gas tax, and and but he was on Paul's show recently and said um, that. Um, he, he was on Conduit News recently and said, well, yes, Paul, you know, because of the private option, we're having to, uh, you know, increase these taxes. So, you know, the reasons are clear. And it was Cole Peck is the name of the doctor that was his uh, okay. opponent in the prior uh, race. Who uh, yeah. who was the sponsor of the bill to cut the tax on used cars, the sales tax? John Payton. And, 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 John Payton. Yeah. Yeah, he, he's is a that big guy. a great bill. He's house member. He's house member. Yeah, uh, what a simple, straightforward, conservative, pro-consumer, pro-public idea, and the opposition was, "Well, we need their money." Uh, I don't. You know, the, you know, I, I had not, a good idea today. I thought. 
the opposition is children are dying and bridges are crumbling. Right. You know, we someone sent us a text about Romney, you know, thinking it was great to raise the uh, age to smoke to 21. And I thought, you know, why don't we raise the age to drive to 60? That would save the lives of all the young people driving who have wrecks and even parents driving with their children in the car. Save those wrecks. I mean, if we change the laws enough, we'll have total safety. Well, and just think how that would work out for the Green New Deal. Exactly. Why do we raise the IQ of, uh, required to get into the legislature so that some of these people who, who uh, make these claims uh, wouldn't get in because they're such nonsensical claims? Well, well, how about we just say, if you can't afford to be here, and if this is your only livelihood, you can't. You can't come. Yeah, we don't want you. You can't run unless you can show economic independence. You know, I text you, Dave. I wanted to talk about the Democrat crisis that we're in. I mean, it's a national emergency. Oh, we, we really, yeah, we really are. And let's finish up talking about that. We've we've spoke quite a bit about it already today. I've had Harris, and I've had uh, a lot of different people uh, voice bites from today, and. Uh, They are a scary bunch of people. We'll come back. We'll talk about it here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, back with you. We're back also with Brenda and Joe. And how stupid do you have to be as a Democrat? Well, you have to. I guess you got to take an IQ test and come out on the low end. But the bottom line, like this lady uh, over the weekend that said that when she talks about the Holocaust, it has a calming effect on her. Elon Omar, who really has said truly anti-Semitic things. Now, I will say this. I don't think it was Omar. It was no, it was Rashida Tlaib. Tlaib, oh, that's who it was. I'm sorry, Rashida Tlaib, and, and that's exactly right. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, her problem, and she's come out and tried to explain it, and may, I don't think it's quite as egregious as that quote sounds like, but it ain't great either. Yeah. No. And then you got the world's going to end in 12 years and i if you believe that then uh you know you're stupider than a sponge and it's like well if i read it then uh let me just tell you you didn't say it was a joke no aoc made this claim recently on several occasions that if we don't enact a green new deal the world will essentially come to an end in 12 years and now she's backing away because of course in 12 years she's going to be running for some office and we'll all be alive yeah yeah. Well, that, that's the thing about the, the whole – you take any subject that the Democrats are passionate about, but let's just take the environment for one. You know, at no time will any of them tell you a plausible set of circumstances that must exist for them to shut the hell up. <laughs> you know? Exactly. Right. Well said. <laughs> so, you know, if you don't, if you don't put a, you know, a, a metric out there to, that's measurable – then you can ride that pony as long as you want. When we when we all uh, be living in mud huts uh, and n- not bathing uh, and eating grubs off the ground, I think they might be happy. <laughs> Maybe Robert, all, all of us would not be. There would always need to be an elite telling the grub eaters how many they can eat. That, there that's you exactly go. right. You're exactly right. And what right. to think. That's exactly right. Well, you know, just just say what the rules are. You know, it has to be. The average temperature is measured by this method, and it's measured in these places. And if it gets above this or below this, then the following triggers happen. But they, but if it doesn't do that, you've got to shut up and admit that you're an idiot and never speak on any national issue again. Or how about I mean, how about Harris and all the? Th- I mean, she broke 
she broke uh, out this weekend saying stupid stuff. I mean, countless things. It was amazing today, the stuff I played from her. Well, the attacks against our president and his family, and even you even see them among the Republicans, you know, which we're confused. I thought we couldn't speak ill of Republicans. But, you know, I'm concerned as we look at the legal system and how our, uh, you know, the deep state, if you want to say, is given the power. And it's ridiculous now to question those people. And, and I mean, I'm just... I'm just blown away by how far we've moved to the left, and it's considered good in the normal well, how does, media. I mean, what does occasional cortex know about business <laughs> or economics? Oh, that's good. Occasional that cortex. I, like I don't think she has a cortex, to be yeah, honest. She with doesn't you. know anything about economics. No. Oh, you want well, to hear some? Hear something funny? She was supporting. Uh, just recently, I think along with Bernie, yeah, with Bernie, that we should lower the maximum amount that a credit card company can charge. Not what they will charge, right? Because when I get a credit card, since I have good credit, if they want to charge me 22%, well, what do I do? I go to the other company. Yeah, I ain't going to charge happen. me 4% yeah. or 2% or whatever. I don't know. I pay it off. So, um, but. She says we have to lower that. What would that do? Of course, uh, you folks at Conduit know very well, being economic-focused, all that does is it cuts out people who are high-risk. So it doesn't mean that anybody gets a lower rate. It just means that people who would otherwise have to pay the higher rate get no credit at all. They They can't get a credit card. So it's just a fundamental and basic misunderstanding of economics. And the funny part is, a few weeks ago, Prior to this discussion uh, of AOC and Bernie, I discussed that in my class. Just brought it up. Yeah, it's, it, it's interesting that, that society thinks it's normal to use a credit card to establish a loan and full well knowing it's 22%. Right. I mean, if you need to borrow money, you go to a bank and get a personal loan. No, 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 one, no. No, you don't do that, Joe. Remember when I I had a few loans for college, and it was through a bank, and then the federal government said, you can't do that anymore. We're going to do it. Well, I remember in in, uh, high school, one of the classes required you to go to a bank and get a loan. Mm -hmm. And I got a loan in 1975 or 6 for $25, (laughs) First National Bank in Fort Smith. And then I paid it right off. I forget what I paid, you know. 17 cents interest or something but i went through the process as part of high school you know they're they're too worried about the gender training in high school than they are economics yeah you're exactly right about that 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 is not an off statement i would like to talk about you know what you're learning from the young people you're around both of you you know the sense of their mentality and what they're seeing and you know in college and law school or wherever not good well I'll tell you, it's a great question, Brenda. I had a student in my class who I would ask. These, 60 seconds. Yeah, these economic type questions, and he gave often conservative answers, even though he said he was a liberal by his own definition. I said, well, that's not really liberal answers. And he had to ponder that. So there you go. <laughs> right? I said, you know. Well, I don't think like a liberal. Yeah, what's that? That's really strange. Yeah. Brenda, Joe, we're down with our time. Let's pick this up next week, shall we? Sounds great. Okay, we will do so. Thanks so much. We'll talk to you next Monday. 
conduitnews.com. That's where you read their articles. They're good articles to read, and they'll make you think, and you might even learn something. Yeah, look at their rankings. Yeah. I have to look at them. That's I coming. I have looked at the latest That's ones. That's coming. Yeah. Yeah. Appreciate you being here. Always my pleasure. Hopefully Thank see you. you Thursday. I will try my best. Thank you. God bless. All right. Power panel tomorrow and the Bible guys. I'll see you too. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.